Hello, everyone. Welcome to Week of Manga Recap. It's December 1st, 2021, which means we're halfway through Christmas season. Congratulations to everyone who's made it this far. But now is when it's going to get really, really serious. You're not going to be able to go anywhere without hearing some sort of cheery tune on any form of music playing device. It doesn't matter if you don't change to any pop stations or whatever. If you put in, like, I don't know, your music player, it'll turn into Christmas music. It's going to happen. Yeah, pretty much. I, I control the music at the store I work at. And I was like, I mean, I got to get into the spirit somehow. So I use Pandora for all my stations. So I was like, all right, well, there's one rock Christmas song that I always go to. And it's the Christopher Lee death metal album of Christmas songs. And I just made a Pandora station off of that. So you get Christopher Lee singing Silent Night, Jingle Hell. Jingle hell. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> he made like it's only like four songs, uh, and one of them's Frank Sinatra's Are My Way, <laughs> but it's great. That's kind of a Christmas song. It's kind of. kind of look. I'm surprised Pandora was able to make a whole station out of it. Because it's mostly yeah. it's mostly just Christmas songs but like done by various rock bands and things like that. But uh, they got all four of those Christopher Lee ones in there. Uh, usually in an uh, 11-hour shift, I probably hear them 15 times a piece by the end of the day because they really replay them a lot. But it's good. Gives people a little bit of break. No more I carry. She doesn't show up on there. Mm. I uh, remember giving Pandora a try when I was like 15 or something like that. And going in like, okay, let's try. Yeah, I'll look something up and then you know it'll make a station based off of this. And then... It's like, okay, here's a Linkin Park song because you asked for one. And here's a band that's like Linkin Park. And I was immediately like, no, I don't like this. Turn it <laughs> off. <laughs> Never used it again. I was like, no, don't like this. I can't do this. I wanted more Linkin Park. I just wanted to listen to Linkin Park all day. Listen, you have to understand. <laughs> I have a weird relationship with my Pandora account because I, I – so my favorite band's are Foo Fighters. So I made a Foo Fighters station. And at some point, a Linkin Park song played on it. And I thumbs it up. So now it's like half Linkin Park, half Foo Fighters. Yeah. So – there is a cross section between the two of those, which is like early 2000s rock music, sometimes hard rock, sometimes alt rock, sometimes like fucking new metal bullshit. Uh, let's just say Puddle of Mud has played on my station before. But at some random point, the song Memory by Sugar Cult played. And I don't know what that is. But- I, I only know it because it pl- it was on the Burnout soundtrack. One of them, I think like Burnout 3 or something like that. It is not a particularly great song, but I love that song. I thumbs it up, and now all of my station is mid-2000s pop punk now. Ocean Avenue's yeah. playing every time. Uh, yeah, just, fucking Good Charlotte. It's it's all there. It's it's all, all in its glory, I guess. It's a... Uh, I've probably heard the song at some point before, but... It sounds like every <laughs> every song of that era. So. Oh yeah, it's it's not a particularly it's not a great song, but it is a song that for some reason makes me very nostalgic for something I did not feel nostalgia for whatsoever. Uh, and every time like I put I thumbs up one song, it completely shifts the way my Pandora station goes. There's like a a, a long period of time where I'm like, am I okay with this? I was I was happy with things before. Do I like change? And I find out you just have to thumbs down every good Charlotte song that comes on. And eventually you get back to an even keel. You, you start getting back into a, a, a balanced level. This has been 
uh, mastering your Pandora station with Chris. Yeah. And so now that you've been listening to this, it sounds like you're interested in us talking about random nonsense. So let's talk about manga. That's like <laughs> random nonsense. It's random and it is nonsense. Yeah. Uh, we have an interesting bl- blend of stuff this week. I think that there's a lot of really good manga to talk about. And some other things, too. So uh-huh. I think that uh, we'll just get into it. We're going to start things off with My Hero Academia, chapter number 335, Zygotes. So <laughs> I, for my money, this one aspect of this chapter is probably the weirdest thing featured in the manga this week. So All Might is featured on the cover of this chapter. Mm-hmm. He's holding an egg in his hand. Is this symbolic? Yes. It's it, No, it's not even symbolic. It tells you what the symbolism is. Like, Yeah. Well, what I love is uh, this probably is not as much of a thing in the East, uh, but in Western media, just because of Always Sunny and things like that, I just saw countless may I offer you an egg in these trying times or egg, you know, Danny DeVito memes and shit like that to this. Or this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not enough Billy Hatcher and the giant egg memes, though. I really I feel like that poor kid is never going to catch his uh, his due, due time in the sun. Uh, it's uh, completely lost on me. So, yeah. There <laughs> no, everyone remembers Billy Hatcher and the giant egg. He's Sega's 17th most popular franchise. Yep, I have. The other 15 are Yakuza and Sonic franchises, <laughs> just over and over again. They all are different. Like, Sonic Racing's a different thing. Shadow's a different thing. Uh, Let's see, what did I have on Sega Genesis? Well, this, this was I... GameCube. This was after Sega oh, stopped being well, in the then... console games, and they just had to make video games. I didn't have a, I didn't have a GameCube, so <laughs> I was too busy. I was too busy playing Ninja Gaiden. Okay, that's hey, that's fair. You honestly, you probably made the better choice. Hey, come on, you know Ninja Gaiden. You know it's 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 got Ryu from Dead or Alive. You don't know who Ryu from Dead or Alive is. He's one of the ones without boobs. <laughs> I was gonna say, if somebody's like Dead or Alive, I'll check that franchise out, and then I'll judge you based off of what I find. Like, no, no, <laughs> don't look at it now. Uh, so we begin this chapter proper of my hero where the previous chapter left off with all my going to go and talk to Deku and Todoroki and Bakugo. And as it turns out, the entire rest of class 1A, they just weren't important enough to make an appearance in the previous panel. So, uh, we basically get the very natural dialogue from Deku that's wait. So star dealt lasting damage to Shigaraki to let us know how much has been exposited to them already in the midst of this conversation. So it's a nice jumping on point to let you know, yes, they all, the kids all know the stuff that we explained to other people last time. Actually, it might've been better to have all might explaining it to the kids as opposed to random dudes talking to the pro heroes. But anyway, all might says that from their data analysis, Shigaraki stole New Order. It broke apart a bunch of his quirks. Evidence suggests that New Order ravaged a considerable number of the quirks held in his massive library. It's a good thing that we had that whole thing set up about the Jets. That like, oh yeah, they analyze quirks. Otherwise, like, how could you tell that? How how do you know if someone's quirk is gone or not? You're just like, 
Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't look like he can he can shoot fireballs anymore because he hasn't shot any fireballs at me lately. <laughs> I look in my eyes. I see a man that doesn't have elastic powers anymore. Like, huh, okay. Well, that's very judgmental of you just because it's accurate. <laughs> his astral projections, his powers are gone. Look at his fingernails. I don't know. It strikes me as very weird that we have to have this whole thing. It's like, well, we know about this because there were special machines in the jets. It's it's I it's, don't know. It's for our sake as an audience so that we can be like, OK, Shigaraki lost some powers and the characters can know it as well. Yes, exactly. Speaking of the other characters, look, it's Jiro and Momo. I didn't know they were here. <laughs> this time. And, they're, and now they've got lines. Yeah. Um. Uh, they just kind of say some stuff that anyone could say, though. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know it's a Jiro line because she doesn't finish it, like her yeah. trademark character trait. Yeah. <laughs> she starts it, and then Yoyorozu just comes in and is like, I can do this better than you, and just finishes the line for her. Listen, I'm telling you, someone, there are dozens of people out there who are like, they finish each other's sentences. My, sh- my be- best ship. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, people are looking for villains. Thanks for the splash page of a bunch of heroes that we haven't seen in a while. Yay. Look, it's come. Yeah, and Gang Orca is the best. Question. Can you... I, I mean, I know the answer is yes. Have you seen people ship two characters who are in the same series, but have never in any way, shape, or form interacted with one another before? Like never, I mean, not not even been in the same room. Like two characters who are like you, you're the mayor from the town in Buggy's Land in One Piece, and then like Wiper from Skypea. You're like, I'm gonna ship these two characters together. They were never at any point in time anywhere near each other. I'm trying to think of a good example from my hero. Um, Miruko and Hawks get shipped together quite a bit i think but those are still but we know those characters have been near each other because yeah well and also and also that they're they're the top 10 bro heroes so they presumably would have spent time i'm looking for characters from the same series so so like not cross franchise shipping but two characters who just would not have ever met getting shipped like 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 gentlemen and uh magne does like two characters. Count no- okay. If at, when at the end of Naruto, Kiba got hooked up with the cat girl. <laughs> I guess I guess that makes sense. That's 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 a canon version of it happening. <laughs> I got, I mean the 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 short answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I, I said I, I know it's possible. It's just in my mind. I was like, does it happen? Like I'm going to like log off and I'm going to like randomly look up some stuff and just to like, you know, I don't know, futz around archive of our own or something like that. And I'm going to find a bunch of examples. That's just that I can't think of any in particular right now because I'm kind of narrowing my focus a little bit too much. Yeah, that's so. fair. That's fair. <clears throat> so we get that. Um, and then all my says like, yeah, so all for one has suffered all this setback. But we don't know what he's planning to do next. So whether we find him or he comes to us, we're going to have a big old fight. And here's what you're up against. Hey, did you remember who these villains were? Well, here they are again. We just kind of get a reminder of who the villains are, which is well, it's a little help- bit weird. 
I guess it's to establish the predominant players. It's to say, hey, these four are very important. There's six high-end Nomu, and then there's an army of essentially, like, blast characters and shit like that. You know, like, these characters who are like, I don't want to call them mooks necessarily, but, I mean... By comparison. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Skeptic and a bunch of characters who I think were probably part of Liberation Division sub-lieutenant bullshit or whatever. Right. Remember when we got... One of those guys to... is literally just a piece, like a stick of butter that's melting that has a, like a fucking Ninja Turtles headband wrapped around his head, so... I don't actually want to be here, guys. <laughs> I'm in a lot of pain. Can someone kill me? <laughs> You're, whenever we get together for these meetings, the because we're crowded together, the, the, the room temperature goes up and I start to droop. And uh, if I stay at room temperature for too long, eventually my brain, you could just put your fist through it. Um, I don't have like special skills. My, my, my power is to... Is, <laughs> I, I can mold my hand into different shapes. It's not that useful. I don't know why I'm here. Well... We have a projector, but we don't have any visuals. Shut up, puppeteer! <laughs> Why does it sound like it's fodding when you do it? It's like, because I'm made of butter. Shut up. We've got plenty of bread-based snacks that we need your help for. He's just rubbing on his head. Oh, that hurts. I don't get that back. <laughs> You're literally misshaping my skull. <laughs> Couldn't you at least do my hands? I can mold into something else. Also, I feel a little bit bad for, like, Mr. Compress and Spinner because they're, like, the only members of the League of Villains who don't get individually named. Well, Mr. Compress is arrested, isn't he? No, he's still out there, I think. I thought he got arrested. I thought he's alive, but I thought he got taken. I didn't think they grabbed him. Spinner, though, is great because they didn't. Spinner, yeah. They made a great tale recently, didn't they? They're like, yes, the man who spinners scenes all of our tales or some shit yeah. like that. <laughs> He's literally, like, got posters of his face everywhere. So, uh, yeah, you'd think that if he were going to be brought up in this point, at, at any point, it would be after that, but oh well. Yeah. Um, also, there are still six near-high-end Nomu that will, I'm sure, eventually come up whenever there need to be some kind of intimidating but faceless people to fight. So Nick, who will, when all the characters come to attack 1A, who will a clump of characters that include most of the female characters possibly fight, if not nameless yeah. high-end Nomu? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yorozu! And Kamish <laughs> Kamishida. You guys take down one of these guys. I, okay, I, I like how you combine two names there. I couldn't, I couldn't remember either character's names, so I just slammed them together. <laughs> oh man, I'm sure that no, none of the less important female characters from One A are going to at all figure into this chapter. <laughs> so, also Shoji gets a line, which is even more surprising than Yairosu and Also, it just says something very generic. Anyway, um, All Might says, "If you hope protect all that you hold dear to you." You must prepare yourselves. And Bakugo's like, yeah, well, fuck off. We've been doing that. And everyone just kind of establishes, we've been training. We're stronger now. Ojo's just like, check out my six pack. And Mineta is like, why are you taking your shirt off? <laughs> Which is, I mean, 
he did read my mind and just say what I was thinking too, because he looks like he's taking his shirt off in the middle of this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tokoyami says something kind of, you know, in character for him, and then Ashido just kind of echoes him while pouting. So, okay. Uh, Bakugo is yelling something in the background while not speaking words. That's <laughs> That's what his mouth is doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Deku says, yeah, Kacha and the others are going to spar with me as to help me you know, finish uh, completing one for all. And Bago says, I never said that I was going to do that at all. <laughs> it's good that they're friends, you know. Uh, but it sounds like basically they are going to spar. And he's like, yeah, I just want to see how strong I am. Fuck your stupid thing. So uh, Todoroki's hand is very big. It's it's very large, large and thick for some reason hey. in this one panel. Hey, that's what the ladies like. Okay, so, <laughs> and then Kirishima says, "Don't forget to beat the snot out of me too." And uh, then he goes on to say, after Sarah's like, "Oh, you just like being the resident punching bag," he says, "I just need to take some good poundings if I ever want to get harder." So. Hiroshima's quirk is that he is a he hardens his body mm-hmm. and he is a defensive wall. So he's trying to get stronger by having people attack him. There is no need he at all. He just likes to being be, abused. To read it all <laughs> into the very, very, very open language choice that is made here. I, I, Maybe it was on purpose. You know? It has to. It has to. I think of the there. There's the poor fucking team that has to translate Witch Watch every fucking week, which yeah. not only has a lot of Japanese puns, but has so much goddamn text to translate every fucking week. I have to assume if you because uh, now that's my standard. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to translate like 49 paragraphs a page now. Right. Like, no, some people don't. And like they get more time to be like, how do I want to phrase this to really just chef's kiss the entire audience, you know? Hmm. So, let's talk about word choices some more here. Okay. All Might looks upon the students. He's very happy about, you know, the progress that they've made, the confidence they're showing, the fact that they're already working this and stuff. And he says to himself, the zygotes I met that day have long since hatched. Who calls them zygotes? Yeah, I really, that was what I thought. I was like, what fucking person? Just call them eggs. Eggs, tadpoles. Fucking, there's got to be some other word of like a, you know, young infant stage thing. Bean sprouts. Yeah, something. It's such a weird, awkward choice. The zy- he sounds like a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned. Or he just learned that word today. And he was like, ah, <laughs> uh, yes, an appropriate time to use zygotes. Uh, I have defeated you, word of the day calendar. <laughs> huh. It's him hanging out with fat gum afterwards, like having lunch. And he's just like, like, they just finished a conversation about a movie. He's like, oh, uh, I was just thinking, by the way, about... Uh, my zygotes have long since hatched, referring to the students at the school. In fact, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, the zygotes, uh, they've, they've hatched. He's like, is this like some fucking gag? What are you, what are you, why are you talking like this? 
Zygotes hatch? (laughs) (laughs) They have... Do you think zygotes have shells? <laughs> what are you referring to? Why are you talking like this? I just, you know, the zygotes. You know what a zygote is, right? Because I do. This is on my calendar. <laughs> okay, well, I think I might have learned some things about you all, might, but it's not what you wanted me to learn. <laughs> anyway, so um, he also thinks to himself that All for One made a foolish move by uh, picking on Class 1A and forcing them to step up because they have. And now they're going to be standing up against him. And he's like, yeah, they're going to show you what what. Yay. Meanwhile, Shigaraki's doing well. Uh, He is in one of the cave hideouts somewhere and he's just writhing, going on the ground. We're going to call him Shigaraki in this point because the OG All for One is in the cave. I was say there's a physical there's a physical version of All for One in a, in in the area now. Yes, who is referring to Shigaraki as his other self still, but he's like, yeah, you know, your quirk factors are just really worn after all of that shit that happened inside your own body. Shigaraki is taking this well. He says he's going to kill everyone. He hates everyone. And he says, as long as a single person still remembers All Might's stupid face, I'll never know peace from this torment. So All for One's like, oh, wow, that whole thing where my vessel nearly got blown up really worked out for me. Because now now he's acting a lot more like me. He shifted that absurd hatred towards All Might, which is like me. Cool. Everything's coming up me. So... Literally, because look, he's coming at me right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then <laughs> All for One says New Order refused to be stolen, but we've cleared away our most formidable obstacle, so let that light in your heart. There is no sense dwelling on a single foiled plot. I'm sorry to have to do this after all your prepping. The rest of you will need to remain on standby for longer. And Dobby's like, No, I'm bored now. I want to kill my dad. But All for One says, you and I have much in common, but let me tell you in how we differ. When I find myself with a goal, I'm sure to plan out a number of routes to the goal, shall we say. To be exact, I weave plots years or even decades prior so that I may employ a viable route when the time comes. A route that inevitably achieves my end. And we see this envisioned as, like, the Shadow the Hedgehog game branching routes that you can take. Say, <laughs> like, oh, I could go this way and this way and this way and this way. It's like, all these plans and all of these things. I've got so much stuff going on at once, you see. Yes. Which is why when I resurrect a plot point that has not been spoken of for literally years, I'll have you know I've been thinking about it this whole time. Nick, I'm excited about this because this plot line coming back gives me hope. Hope that Jin is indeed coming back in one piece. Because if this can happen, anything's on the table, baby. So, shining out from the horizon, off in the distance, through the cave, through the woods, coming from UA, there is a beacon and all for one says, now the advent of my perfected vessel is delayed, and Yue has welcomed Izuku Midoriya back into its sturdy walls. But I have that you lack, Toya, are friends to spare. 
And there's a shot of Hagakure. Presumably, presumably, presumably. I'm not, look, I want to draw everyone's attention back a couple years to when there was that very ominous shot of Aoyama gazing through Deku's bedroom window, looking evil, and then it turned out he left him some fucking cheese. (laughs) This seems to suggest that the long unspoken of spy plot, Mm -hmm. where someone within 1A or one of the teachers at UA was a spy working in tandem with All for One, is actually Hagakure. I am not 100% convinced of that, but if it is, it's not really that bizarre (laughs) to me to hear it. We talked about this a bit on the day that the chapter came out uh, on the Discord server, and it's just kind of the thing that you can have a twist like this in terms of a plot development that like is alluded to. And then it's like, Oh, who is the blah, blah, blah. And then when that reveal happens, sometimes it's very good to have something that makes perfect sense. Uh, back in the day when, uh, Toby was Obito. Yes, it was, you know, we made fun of it. It was predictable, but it made sense uh-huh. and it, it, everything fits. And it had, it, it played into, the developments that involved Toby beyond that, because then you had all the history between Obito and Kakashi that you could draw on. Of course, Obito was new Chiha, so there was history there as well. Yeah, da, 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 da. it worked out in a lot of ways. Hagakure has just kind of been not doing anything of note for 334 chapters. Is she the least relevant member of Class 1A? Until now. Well, um, excluding this point, it was she before this. If you think of chapter 334, was she the least relevant member? Because there, there, there are competitors. There's... She'd be like 18 or 19, if not 20. Yeah. So, I mean, you could argue like maybe like... like Ojiro or... Yeah. Like, Ojiro had a couple of things happen, you know, early on. Like, you know, he had some stuff happen where, like, oh, you know, he he was the guy who told Deku about the brainwashing thing. Uh, There was, I mean, like, you can't even say Sato because Sato has, like, you know, stuff you can point to. Be like, I know things about him. He cooks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's (laughs) someone. Someone did bring up that their license exam, uh, where I forget who she was partnered up with, but it was against Snipe, and Snipe figured out who she was because like her breast brushed up against him and made like yeah. a loud, tangible sound. And I was like, I don't remember that, but that does sound a hundred percent accurate. Um, yeah, like I'm not going to say that this isn't going to be good. I just think that, and also, as some people have dug out, there have been people who have had reasons to believe that this is going to be the case beyond just, well, she's invisible, she'd be a great spy, you know, kind of thing, which are like, she didn't show up, she wasn't in class on the day that uh, the the League of Villains uh, attacked uh, and first showed up. She was the one who suggested that they go to the mall, which was when Shigaraki uh, threatened Deku. 
Uh, so there have been little bits and pieces here and there, but it's been years since those things happened. And as far as we can tell from this point, it doesn't seem like the spy has been of any relevance since then. So if it was mm -hmm. like an ongoing plot thing, sure. But as you said, like they, like it was brought up in one conversation like six years ago, hey, there could be a spy in the school or a traitor in the school. And then like it hasn't really come up since then. So, you know, it is one of those things like on the back burner, which I think for fans of My Hero, maybe this is a bit more interesting, enjoyable as someone like me who kind of goes along with the flow. I'm like, all right, I'll be honest. The thought I had more so was I was like, Ooh, another female character to be maybe important for one volume and then maybe get killed off or removed in some way at the end of it to be eliminated from the story because you're not actually significant to the long term scope of this. Yeah, um, I guess what I'm ultimately saying is I don't have a lot of reasons to be excited about this. But I will see where it, wait and see where it goes. Yeah, so. it, could, it could be very interesting. But hey, that's the biggest thing that happened to my hero. We'll talk about it more next week, I'm sure. Yeah. Let's talk about Undead Luck. Let's talk about Undead Luck, Nick, number 89, round three. Heaven or hell, let's rock. Uh, so uh, Spring ain't doing so hot. Uh, he's no. just screaming, oh, God, please don't. Uh, I don't want to kill anymore. Uh, and Billy notes this is the third time now that God has forcibly intervened. It seems that Unluck has earned much of God's ire. Uh, so Spring shoots out his his core, the little tiny face version of him that we saw in the flashback, and begs Fuko to kill him, saying, you, "You've you've got to do this." So she grabs the the head. It's it's great because Billy walks straight up and takes out his gun and tries to just blast it. <laughs> he shoots like three bullets, yeah. and Spring's core is like, "Sorry, no, it, that was a good call, but no. even if I'm in a weakened state, it still has the role. You can't attack me. You're turned into a cherry blossom tree." So you, it's just a casual shot of Billy cutting off his arm before it turns into a cherry tree again. Um, <laughs> damn it, that would've been really convenient. Uh, but Spring explains, look. Since you're the one who has accepted the game, you are the person that's tasked to kill me. It has to be you. So for round three, the last round, these dice are going to serve in our game. The dice we first saw Spring use way back at the, the introduction of the character. He says, there isn't much time. Y you know, all of you are going to turn to cherry trees. However, like this, this game is going to help end it as quickly as possible. This is... An even 50-50 chance game. Guess right you live, wrong and you die. Excuse how ugly I am, but before the match begins, bestow upon me. And Fuko kisses uh, Spring on the forehead as Spring's finishing his, his sentiment. And you can see uh, uh, Spring close his eyes and cry and just say, I owe you my thanks as he gets returned to the, the main body. And it's like, all right, undead, unluck. In this narrow gambling hall, I shall sit and wait. And uh, we get Kaiju Spring now because uh, it's as tall as the city. This is basically a Power Rangers fight now. Uh, so they're like, hey, this is probably the true phase three of Spring now that he's this giant. 
And we see Spring now fully mind control walking through the city saying, this scenery is droll. Slams his foot into the floor as like city, you know, buildings are all around it. And as he lifts his foot up, all of it has turned into cherry trees. And it's like, oh, he could turn everything into cherry trees now. So his abilities have evolved. So it's like, all right, let's just going to have to do it. And he, he looks around saying, no, this won't do. All of it has to go. I shall turn everything into cherry trees. And we see what looks like a city a sizable distance away. Everyone gets turned into cherry trees because it is just this, you know, uh, cloud of cherry blossom flies through it. We get the big two page introduction spring phase three. So Billy's like, well, this sucks because you're dead no matter what. Once uh, once you. uh get in there you know it's it, it's it's just not gonna we, we shouldn't have accepted this quest from the very beginning it was it was a mistake um and fuko says no there's still right, a way negative nancy <laughs> yeah she's like it was pointless for us to bother with this uh billy's like weren't you listening all attacks are considered interference and fuko says yes attacks but the phenomena caused by my unluck reach spring. They're not considered attacks. So if we can get close to him and cause all sorts of unluck around him, then we make a path to his core and send Fuko inside, and then Fuko can win the game. That'll be easy. Billy's like, how the fuck do you think you're getting close to him? All of our abilities don't work. And Andy's like, yeah, not on him directly, but what if we ah. just, what if we cheat? He's like, what if everything gets aimed at me instead and because I'm undead and it passed, like, it'll go through me, then all the attacks will go and attack Spring. And they're like, does that work? And yes. he's like, yes. <laughs> it's all how, it's how negator abilities work. It's all about how we interpret them and taking foolish death-defying risks to see who comes out on top. Ain't that right, you bunch of negating lugs? And we get a two-page spread of all the other negators who are involved in this conflict so far uh, flying down from the ceiling. I guess the the, the card game is over, so they're all just right yeah. here now. Uh, and uh, Andy ends the chapter by saying, now let's make like negators and negate this guy's rules. Yeah, it's a cool two-page spread of everyone uh, flying through the air and stuff. And uh, hey, it looks like we're coming to the big finish for this arc. Yep. Uh, I really like the uh, relationship that is developed between Spring and Fuko during all of this, as she kind of draws out more and more of his sentimental side. Mm -hmm. And I really do get did kind of get the feeling when Spring was crying after she kissed him that like he knew that this was going to end with one of the two of them dying. So I don't think a happy ending is uh, coming to this. It's uh, no. it seems like we're going to have a bad time at the end of things. So. Maybe this time it'll all work out. Maybe they can have one UMA that... Ha well, they do have Burn and Spoil that hang around, so maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Although those are ones you have to capture, so I think it's different. I guess they did capture Autumn, so Autumn can hang around. That fucking nerd. That big book <laughs> nerd. Spring's way cooler. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I guess we'll move on from there, then, because we've got to talk a bit about... Uh, Wait, well, we, we just talked about kaiju, though. Do we, do we, do we talk about more we kaiju? We talk about more kaiju. Oh, okay. Kaiju number eight. It's chapter 50. Is it really? Are even 50 chapters? 
And again, I think that we've kind of just been like sleepwalking through the last dozen or so. so. Yeah, a lot of it's kind of blended together. This last like long arc. Isao is in trouble because Kaiju number nine is trying to take his Kaiju power weapon thing. And uh, he's not doing so well. He's getting his, the shit kicked out of him or punched out of him, I guess. Uh, Isao starts talking to. Ooh. Have we met him before? Some operator scientist guy. He's wearing a lab coat. Mm -hmm. He seems very official. Yes. So I, 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 I deign to trust him. So Isao says, like, hey, I can't, because the guy says, like, listen, you, you've got to evacuate as well. And he's like, no, this thing is just going to track me down. It has that ability. You're the one who's got to get out of here. But the guy just like, I have a laptop and my job is to aid you in victory. So I'm going to stay with you until the end. And he says, like, all right, fucking OK. <laughs> all right, nerd. Get over yourself. Yeah. My job is to be a nerd. <laughs> Look at my lab coat. Uh, he powers up and uh, the scientist guy is like, I'm here to exposit about how strong Isao's power is. It's like a daikaiju emerging, but in human form. And uh, Isao's body is kind of like trembling and crackling with energy, and he unleashes a big old punch on kaiju number nine, which causes them to turn into a giant atom somehow. I don't know. There's, there's like the pads surrounding them. Uh... The force is incredibly tremendous, but immediately as Isao, pu as Isao punches him, the gauntlet on his arm starts to crack apart, and it still hasn't finished off Kaiju number nine, uh, who's just like, oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, this, this is power worthy of being my own. Uh, but Isao keeps on coming. He does a big ass uppercut to the gut and then keeps following up with more blasts. Just it, the impact completely breaks apart Kaiju number nine's head, which then just starts to regenerate while he keeps talking before his head has come back. And uh, he just punches and punches and punches and punches. And uh, so the scientist keeps on helping out Isao so that he can put out more power. And Isao's like, oh my God, this guy's really, really strong. But it's not just that. Each strike I make is hitting me with a hard realization. I've grown weak. My power is a mere shadow of its former glory back when I stood by your side. Thinking about his wife. And uh, that's, he gets when, that's the when the assistant comes in on the comp. Are you thinking about your dead wife? Because she was killed by a kaiju <laughs> like the one you're fighting. And then we took out took everything out of it and it, it we we made it into an eye thing it's uh, it's, uh am i distracting you i don't mean to it's just am that I... i'm sharing important information that you should already be aware of about your dead wife <laughs> who's dead <laughs> she's very dead uh isao takes a hit to the gut his power drops even more and um he's just getting more and more pressure put on him. He's having to endure more and more blows. The scientist guy's like, ah, I keep hitting keys, but it's not helping. <laughs> so I've, I've opened up seven Reddit tabs and I still can't stop this guy from killing you. Uh, Isao says, we're going to beat it, Kurusu, which I guess is the scientist guy's name. Oh, everyone remembers him. Yeah, yeah, you know. But he says, I'll get killed if I go on the defensive. Root my remaining circuits towards offense. 
and set them to max output. And his gauntlets go, clack, And uh, Kurusu is, says, Ah, oh, you'll sustain too much damage. You'll never fight again. And he sounds like, yeah, okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the verge of dying right now. I think I'll take my chances. Uh, I'm not that interested. Plus, he also brings up the point that the defense force has that crop of new talent. It's up to them to be taking things on. And also, he has just established to himself that he's grown weaker, so he doesn't really care if he can fight again anymore. So uh, he just says to himself, for this one moment in this one battle, I'm content with putting my life on the line to eradicate number nine, just like what you did back then against number six. I'm definitely going to die. Or am I? We keep on teasing this point. Am I going to die or not? Kaiju number nine punches him in the back of the head. <laughs> hey, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> we get a flashback at this moment to, I believe, the night after Kikoru mentioned to Ramon that she wanted to join the defense force and become her protector. And uh, he's always just like, yeah, I never... Thought that she would actually suggest that herself, but it's only natural if you're born into this family, so whatever. But uh, his wife says, I can't help but feel a bit conflicted. It's an extremely dangerous line of work after all. But if she really does choose to go down that path, I will. Pl I plan on hardening my heart to train her and instill her with the power to survive. Which means you'll have to take over, giving our little Kikoru lots of love and attention. Well, you didn't do that. Did He's you? like, what if you die, though, and I give her none of that, though? How about that? I will give her what you planned on, but I'll forget about being a good parent. <laughs> <laughs> I will give her no love. How about that? If I just do but the it's inverse. Okay. It's okay, though. I admit it in this moment where I might die. <laughs> that makes me better, right? Yeah, I'm a hero of the story again. Uh, that's a bit awkward. <laughs> um, and he just doesn't fall down from the giant fist punching into his back. He starts to stand up, and he says to himself, the least I can do is eliminate it with this strike. Eliminate this terrifying threat so that it never exists in that girl's future. And he delivers an absurdly powerful punch that starts to blow apart Kaiju number nine. Uh, it hits him so hard that his teeth start to fall out, even though he got punched in the gut, which is pretty cool. It is a fight it, chapter. It, it is. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to... It is cool. There are a lot of cool visuals. Like, the shot of him getting punched in the back of the head, like, scale-wise, seems crazy when you're like, but it's just to show just how powerful this thing is, that he looks small in comparison to this thing here. And, oh, there's this cool visual of, like, the monster getting blown up and some of its teeth are falling apart and things like that. Um, I guess the scale has changed. Like, I remember liking Kaiju number 9 back when it was like kind of taunting and evil it feels like it's just like kind of lost a little bit of that personality oh i'm big and strong <laughs> yeah um and i just like i'm just not particularly super invested in kikoru's dad as a character this isn't to say that i'm like he doesn't work he's bad I, it's just i'm not i'm not quite at a point where i i'm super invested in him so i don't yeah get super like tensed up when he's doing something maybe if we had like taken some of the time that was spent introducing us to narumi to get to know him a bit better 
to get to know the bad side of him and also some of the admirable side of him. He feels very basic at this point still uh-huh. uh, as we're getting this big, important, dramatic moment for him. So it's hard to connect with what he's going through and to decide whether or not, you know, he's. Yeah. Yeah. I will say one good thing about this chapter, though. Kikoru, as a kid, had a doll of her mom, which was very. Cute. Yeah. Hey, look, if my mom was a superhero, I want a doll of her. Yeah. It'd be pretty sweet. Okay, guys, let's talk about Nick's new favorite manga. No, well, we're not getting to that. No, we got to right. talk about Eden Eden Zero. Nick's new yeah, manga. Nick's new favorite series, <laughs> Eden Zero. The time skipped happened. Nick turned on a dime. He loves this series now. Uh, Eden Zero, chapter 170, three years later. See, you always got to beat out One Piece because One Piece was two years later. This uh, is well, three one years. Later. Never that three years later. Mark, <laughs> yeah, time skip. It's the cosmic era, the caved cosmos. Yes, we get to know all of our important characters in this chapter, which is why Zhao Mei is on the cover because mm-hmm. she did not show up in the chapter. We're, we're we're getting to see these characters, and you don't want to spoil anything ahead of time, you know. Mm. So you just give a you know an elegant shot of a, a female character, you know. Uh, so they're in the Cade Cosmos, which I guess its gimmick is having a wacky checkered board pattern across everything. Yeah, it's like its thing. It's, um, yeah, that I mean, that is weird. And we're over on the planet Swedes, which uh, I guess is one giant Venice. I was going to say, with s- stuff like Forest of the Forest Planet... And uh, what was it? Sandra, the sand planet. Mm-hmm. I, I immediately, when I got to this part, I was just like, like is this the planet of Swedes? Just a <laughs> bunch of blonde people walking around. Earned it, earned it, I you stop here to stop the robot uprising? <laughs> oh, there's just a thousand Swedish chefs walking around. <laughs> All the vegetables come to life when they're around. <laughs> Uh, so we see is the best. <laughs> we see Shiki walking around, and he's like, "Hey, I've arrived at the target location. No humans in sight." He looks around and sees that there's a bunch of robots, and they're all staring at him. Little Pino's there to say, "Master, I've detected hostile signals. I predict they will attack." And Pino's uh, face is a little bit different, and she's got like a hoodie kind yeah, of yeah, like now. a jacket. And Shiki says, "Yeah, I know." And he lifts everyone into the air with his gravity powers. Like the whole street is lifted into the air. All the cars and people and furniture. And he says, I won't hurt you. I know you're just under Ziggy's control. Pino. And she's like, understood. EMP activate. She activates a little EMP and knocks everyone out. And Cheeky says, don't worry. We'll put you all back to normal. We cut over to the ship and see Hermit. Who I guess also physically changed in some way if you say so uh so this was the thing that actually confused me when i saw this because she seems to be drawn in a way that is kind of maybe meant to make you think she looks somewhat more mature and it's hard to tell if that is actually the case or if it's just like the eye marks kind of slightly change the perception of what her face looks like makes it look a little bit less youthful but when i was looking at her i thought 
Yeah, but she had the same appearance for 20 years before this. <laughs> hey, you know what? She just had one of those days. She's going to change my whole look up. Everything's going to shift. I'm just going to do it. And you know what? To hell with everybody else. She explains that the core they're after is somewhere in that area, about 600 meters underground. So she says, copy that. He stomps on the ground and blasts the hole straight down, and we see a full-page spread of the captain of the Eden Zero, Shiki Grandbell. And I will say this. In this chapter, where we get a lot of quote-unquote updates, Shiki legitimately right here looks different and yes. looks, I think, a lot better. He looks cooler. He does seem more mature. There is a certain gravity to him, pun somewhat intended, uh, that gives him a little bit more gravitas. Now, that said, who knows? We could immediately lose all that mystique the first time uh, someone makes a fart joke and he his cheeks puff up and he looks exactly the same as he used to. But right now, yeah. he looks a lot cooler. I think throughout this chapter, you can actually tell that Cheeky has grown up a lot. Mm. And I think that that is refreshing to see. To see that, like, oh yeah, there was a time skip and it's not just someone got a you know power boost they actually changed as a person because, uh, you know, Shiki is a lot less, you know, grinning and happy. There are moments where he has friendly banter with people. And you can tell like, no, no, he's still the same person in there. He's just a little bit more restrained. And I think that that is very effective. Yeah. So uh, he flies down with Pino. Pino's like, hey, there's enemies down there. He's like, can you knock them out with the MP? And she says, nope, they're equipped with anti-EMP coding. He says, the hard way it is. And he just beats up a bunch of robots because he's like, these ones are loyal to Ziggy. So I don't feel bad about this. Punch, 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 smash. And he breaks a whole bunch of them. He is very cool now. And uh, they get over to the core and they connect to it. And uh, Hamora, Hamora, uh, Hermit is like, good. Rebecca, you're up. And we cut to uh, Rebecca's breasts. <laughs> I see. I, we were doing so well with the first one. <laughs> and then it's just like, how do we tell the demonstrate that Rebecca has changed? Well, uh, <laughs> I have to assume her breasts got bigger. I don't know. It would seem crazy to zoom in on a shot of her boobs if that didn't change. But at the same time, she looks exactly identical to she to what she did pre-time skip. I suppose her hair... Yeah. <laughs> I suppose her hair is slightly different. Like, it's a little bit longer, maybe. We don't really get, like, a full, like, body shot. But uh, it is, of course, necessary that we introduce her by uh, showing off uh, her breasts, first and foremost. So, there you hey, go. It's not her feet. It's not. And we also get a very important update to her. She is now the ultra-popular B-Cuber Rebecca Bluegard. So... In the time skip, she, similar to, wasn't there a time skip in Fairy Tale where after the time skip, they were just like, Lucy is an accomplished author now, or a journalist, or something, whatever her fucking goal was, something with writing, she is it right. now. She She's written a bunch of books or something like that, and I was like, huh, just gonna do that off screen, eh? 
I mean, I guess that it has grown less and less important to her character, so you don't actually have to see her, like, accomplish it or but anything. But it's the only really thing that's about unique it. about her character. Otherwise, she's just every female character ever. Yeah, well, there was all the stuff with her, you know, like, starting to learn how to use Cat Leaper and stuff like that. That was the yeah. thing that seemed important about her. I guess. It's just, that gave her something that was a character trait that wasn't what her power set was. So I appreciate it True. to some extent. True. I mean, maybe she'll still focus on it because it is it does actually seem kind of intriguing, as we'll find out that the Eden Zero is essentially like this known pirate organization and yes. a, a super famous YouTuber is a part of it, like essentially like a second. In I'm command. sure that's part of her charm. Like... <laughs> She's constantly like they're like, uh oh, giant uprising happened on this planet today. Let's go see what Rebecca says during her fucking toaster unboxing video whatever bullshit she's doing happiness she still has shitty videos it's just that really bad video ideas it's just that in the background you can see like all <laughs> the these space firing. battles going like she doesn't have the focus right like the lighting's all off and she's like she's like something falls she's like shit i gotta pick that up she didn't cut it out of the video you can just see giant space fights going on behind her like whenever she does the live streams and stuff, half of the chat room is this stuff going. Does she not understand that there is literally a galaxy fate altering event going on behind her? And the other half of the chat is going, show tits. <laughs> Did your boobs get bigger? Um, We cut over because she completed it. She plugged in something and the core two has been done. So like time to get to core three. And we cut over to Wise and Hamora, who look the exact same as they did before. I'll have you know, Weiss's jaw looks more square. <laughs> it's extremely pointed, but... Weiss has a great line where he says, My, I can't believe they're making us stop tree calls at once now. That blasted Ziggy sure likes to make things difficult. Mind you, we can see in the panel directly above that, the scene that they're in, there is no conflict around them whatsoever. No. They only yeah, said <laughs> two people. It really sounds like these things you just have to walk up to and plug a USB into to stop. <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, everyone. Everyone stand back so that I can get my master hawking skills in. <laughs> All right. Phew, that was core blimey, that was a bare brutal one. Going out to take a real steam in the ether pools tonight to cleanse all that sweat off. I think that it's a matter of literally they just have to carry the thing to connect Hermit in, and she does all the work, and that's and so they're like, oh, it's so difficult. <laughs> we had to do three of them today. You before was just one, so Shiki just went down. We all had to do something now. Oh, give me some bangers and mash for you down there. <laughs> Crikey's. Uh, so Hermit's like, yep, good job. We <laughs> we saved the planet. <laughs> we saved the whole planet. Let's go home. <laughs> Let's <laughs> establish later. This is like, oh, it's the seventeenth planet they saved in in three years. You're like, that seems like a low number now, considering how fucking easy how apparently it is. Well, how quickly they traveled from planet to planet too. Yeah, that we were falling for like four months. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm really tickled by the idea of like them sitting there being like, how are we going to fix this? It has two different cores we have to get to are they heavily guarded one is <laughs> the second one seems to be right out in the open 
Everyone just has these long debates, and Herm, and Herm is just like, oh my god, just the cans here, here, just plug here. it in. It has an arrow pointing to it that says where to plug it in. No, no, cheeky. Put the side that says this side up, up. <laughs> no, not in your mouth. Not in your mouth. He's just slamming it upside down. <laughs> he kept doing it until it breaks. He's like, ah, mission aborted. We're going to have to start all over. <laughs> no, I gave I gave you a backup. Ziggy's <laughs> claimed another of my friends. <laughs> she She's like, no, I stopped putting googly eyes on them for that reason. We cut over to the angel feather where Victory is there. That's his name. Hey. Uh, and he's like, Uprising on Planet Swedes is quieting down, right? The Eden Zero beat us to it again. With Ziggy's influence growing everywhere, I don't know what we'd do without him. They're kind of like the better good guys than us at this point. And Justice is like, No, they're not. There goes to beat Ziggy. They would join forces with Elsie and achieve that end. There's no, quote, good in that. Yeah. Also, they killed Creed. Is that no, what? no, it's about Elsie. I can't. Who? Who the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so there's, we're we're very close to the end of the chapter. Yes. And I so there are there are a couple of things that I want to say that that this flashback does not show us yet, and I was convinced. That we would see some indication of that whole Jesse told everyone that Homura seduced and murdered Creed come into play when they showed up. And no, they're talking about the crew of the Eden Zero, not a peep about it. It, The only thing, because Victory brings up a good point where he's like, yeah, like, you know, they do these things, but they're, they're saving people in the galaxy. Like, this is... They're better good guys than us. Like, what's going on? And Ziggy's just, or fucking just like, no, they're working with Elsie. And then he comes up with a bunch of bullshit afterwards. He's like, they're in an unregistered spaceship. And they've recruited some of Draken's lackeys. Yeah, Laguna, he's a part of the crew, so they're bad guys. And, and they have Ziggy's powers. I was like, I don't, is there like a fucking copyright? on gravity powers because it's supposedly a rare power we've seen three motherfuckers it's the most common power we've seen people have in this fucking universe so far i don't know maybe there's some sort of uh, like stereotype against people who have gravity powers because of ziggy yeah i don't know it it, i I, you could justify it but it's just some of those things i'm like if this is supposed to make me think justice sucks it's working because he sounds like a (laughs) fucking wiener in this scene He's like, maybe, no, prayer councils decide he's a threat to the universe, you know? Maybe he just needed a third thing to bring up, like, to complain about them. And, um, um, Cheeky's got gravity powers. The one that bothers me the most is they're in an unregistered spaceship. Like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> like, that's he, like that's he, like the cop he, he being like a driver's license. That's like the cop being like Charles Manson's killed seven people and he didn't update his registration last year. You're like, fucking! I don't think that fucking quantifies on his list of crimes right now. Oh boy! The prayer council met, and now this is no longer the boy we met three years ago. The Demon King Shiki Granbell has been recognized as one of the Eurasian Six Galactica. 
the time to fight him is drawing near. And I'm very curious about this little plot point here. He's part of the Eurasian Six Galactica. Yes. There are four members previously. Right. Shiki's been added. Yes. Did they add another member? Or did Hero just say, fuck it, they're still called the Eurasian Six at this whole Good question. That's a good question. Um, I maybe we'll find out. Maybe there is. Hey, maybe there's a character who didn't get killed from a previous arc who has is, is coming back to get you know relevant again. It's or or- maybe there's just another person. It's Orc. Remember from oh god, what was the name of that group? Mm. Uh, I can't remember that. It was the it was the group that was the underlings to Oceans. Which was the 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 fucking underlings to Shura, and you're like, yeah, How? yeah, yeah. It could be what hell. It could be one of them. Why not? You know, yeah. one of Shura's people who very very specifically made their escape at the end of that arc. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that actually does not come up that I was thinking about well before the Oration Sace thing came up because I still did not put much stock in either of those groups in terms of their importance there is the there is the whole thing about the four divine generals Uh so obviously which is dead now and they kept on saying that oh well we need uh, you know there to be a fourth you know shining star shining star yeah Yeah. because otherwise the full function of the ship is not available which is why homura took up the position after valkyrie they found it was dead but now now uh which is dead too so I was thinking that they might actually bring up the point of like, well, maybe we can have someone else, you know, fill that position as well. And if that is the case, we do not find out who that is, partially because we don't see all the members of the Eden Zero. Uh, we don't see if they're all still part of the crew. We don't see if they've picked up any additional crew. We don't see if any of them have died, which kind of makes me want to see just like Moskoy's tombstone, like <laughs> <laughs> just floating off in space. Like no mention. Turns out the button did nothing. <laughs> no mention of anything that you know that killed him or anything. We just see it in the background, and that is yeah. <laughs> no explanation. So, yeah, that's that's really all of my thoughts. Yeah, on the I, I, I I like Shiki's design. Uh, at the end, I think it looks really bad. I don't know what the Demon yeah. King look is. That looks cartoonishly bad. But uh, it's a stupid artist rendering. Yeah, they're like, like, what if he grows? fucking horns but they're like really thick horns like really really big ones also they have circuitry running through them yeah well that's what's cool he's like a cyber demon he's a d-machine yeah I guess they theoretically could make Ziggy one of the Eurasian six I don't know I'm hope I, I really want them to not and they it's five of them and they still call them the Eurasian six right a group which, by the way, has no formal organization. They're just six random people. You can change yeah. the number whenever you want. Well, you know, it's 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 like the the, the supernovas in One Piece. Uh, yeah, but they weren't called the Eleven Supernovas. Okay, well, <laughs> right, I mean, they, so. to a certain extent, they do call them the Emperors, and there's five of them right now. I think they still. I don't know if they call them the Four Emperors. I think they just call them the Emperors generally. Was there a fifth? Yeah, Luffy's the fifth now. Oh, right, okay. That they kind of, yeah. All right. So, let's talk about Ayashiman. It's chapter three of Ayashiman. I only ever take the juiciest bits. Samaruo is being introduced to Kabuki. 
Kabukicho, which is the district where like all of the Ashiman actually dwell and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of people who are secretly Ashiman that, uh, you know, even regular people who come here and interact with them for various business don't realize that they're actually Ayashiman in disguise. Uh, and uh, so Urara? Urara! So, I think that's her name, right? Right? I got it, right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah! I you did it, Nick! So, so, she says, hey, you know, don't, don't, don't go wandering off on your own, and don't talk with strangers, you know, just, just keep to yourself, and I was like, I've seen this place on TV. I know what to expect. Uh, and then they get to see the, the like the, the Kabuki show, and immediately he's just like, ah, he's overwhelmed by the bright lights, big city. Uh, I don't know, all right, so okay, so uh, he's like, why are there so many people? It's like a festival here. And I was like, okay, come on, you're you're acting like some weird bumpkin. Okay, so he says also the place is almost like Disneyland. And Narara's like, oh, Disneyland? Yeah, it's the second thing that a country bumpkin would say. All right, this, okay. So, um, but then she brings up like, hey, this is the actual face of what Kabuki Cho is. And she brings up all the different people that, you know, the Ayashima that uh, deal with stuff. We see like, you know, a guy who can't pay his debts. So... An Ayashiman gangster, um, fucking eats him. Well, now he really can't pay his debts. Yeah. That's fine, because you got a good meal out of it. We see that, uh, a man has just been to see, um, a lady of the night. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then said lady transforms and into, um, what do you call it? The Tanuki. The Tanuki. And, uh, in fact... She was his shape-shifting ball sack. Yeah, that, like, that did pick that up on the first time. Like, I was like, oh, turns out she's the Tanuki. Until I was like, oh, wait, that's specifically returning to the open zipper. So, was there always a part of this lady that was, like, trailing off to, like, behind a curtain <laughs> where this guy was just standing the whole time? Oh, wow, your legs go all the way to... Whoa, what? What's behind What's that, that curtain? What's a flat skin? Just <laughs> no, no. <laughs> anyway, it's the pleasure district, and all basically all of the for now it's the pleasure district are run by Ayashiman. Urara says it's just like a manga. Doesn't it excite you? <sighs> so then they're in a restaurant. There is a dude with a big old facial tattoo who is picking on a wussy looking guy. He's like, ah. You, you scrawny brave, you know, you dissing me. And I was like, no, no. Like, How is that not a diss? You threw garbage on us. And he's like, no. Uh, uh, uh. And Urara says, yes, there are lots of disputes between Ayashima, of course. That's what's probably happening over there. That one was just dumb enough to try and pull one over on one of our own kind, the idiot. If you don't want to get disrespected like him, we'll need a base of operations. Okay. Um, but uh, Maro's not really listening. Well, she's explaining this stuff, and he's just reading, reading his jump. And uh, As he do. just says, I'll... He says, I'll leave all the thinky-planny stuff to you. All I gotta do is fight. And Arara's like, is that manga really that riveting? 
And Maruo says, you bet. I only had old ones at home. I read them until they fell apart. This is the first I've been able to read the newest issue. It's got this really stupid series in it called Ayashima. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like, I better say this right. <laughs> you got to get it in now while you can. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and uh, anyway, he's uh, like reading that. Um, he says, Tadashi Sato Sensei has a new manga out. Huh? Space Bear? Dot, dot, dot. It's not burning? I didn't quite get I that reference. Yeah, I didn't quite pick up on that reference. I'm, I'm probably very, uh, very uneducated. So, uh, anyway, the wussy Ayashiman gets kicked out of his chair by the facial tattooed one. He's like, oh, please, no! And, uh, he says, when you deal with us and you shit the bed, you clean it the fuck up. I think. I don't know. Maybe he says other curse words that don't make as much sense. But he's like, oh, come on. You want you want you want to have an Aya grudge match with me? Uh, and there was like, OK, let's just ignore him. All the rules in town have been really loose lately. So that means I can kill you right here. And uh, the guy gets so freaked out that he starts to revert to his natural Ayashiman form, which is very dark colored. And he has like a little drip curl thing coming out of his head. I'm sure that this is some sort of creature from Japanese spiritual folklore that has a very straightforward reference. I don't know what it is. Yeah. So um, anyway, Maro's like, should we like help that guy? And Maro's like, the guy's probably some lackey for a gang. He probably came to Tokyo trying to make it big, but it's the survival of the fittest here. The strong devour the weak. And, you know, he's a really good mark. When he leaves, let's follow him, and then we'll take over his gang. Okay. All right. Uh, Maro says, what, you want to take control of that guy's place? And Arara says, I just want the office. We're going to kick him out. When I, Whenever I see something... When I eat it, I only ever take the juiciest bits. And uh, this is demonstrated by her not finishing her ice cream thing. Well, she throws away the stem of the cherry. No one eats the stem. I'm sorry, when does she eat a cherry? I'm missing. <laughs> but she eats a cherry right when she's saying he's the perfect mark. Oh, yeah. And then she throws away the stem. It's like, yeah, everyone does that. It's not... Spe that's nothing special about you in terms of the juicy bits, whatever. I guess, yeah. Maruo has a look on his face while he watches the guy getting beaten up. I don't know what it means, but he doesn't look happy. Uh, and then he walks over, seemingly kind of reluctantly, and Arara's like, hey, don't go over there. I didn't tell you to go fight that guy. But Arara says, well, you're going to take over his gang, right? So why don't we just freaking do it now? Hey, you, give us your office and I'll beat this guy up for you. And um, the guy is just kind of surprised and doesn't know what to make of this offer. So tattoo guy is like, oh, who the fuck are you? And then he changes into his Ayashiman form, which is covered in fire. His tattoo path it go becomes like a fire path, which is pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just to interrupt real quick, some people were theorizing the reason he steps in at that point is because as he's looking as he's looking on, I'm sure that to him is, is pretty reminiscent of when he was a kid getting beat up by his dad. It reminds me of when I was getting beat up by my dad, and then I beat him, and I was disappointed. Yeah. Well, this kid doesn't read enough manga. He's not going to be strong. 
<laughs> so we get an introduction to the tattoo yokai Inokuma Hyudo uh, and an indication of like, hey, this is the kind of yokai that he is. Uh, but uh, he throws a flaming punch at Maro and he just catches the fist and he's like, oh, wow, this guy's really got a really good punch. Okay. And uh, then he's like, hey, elder sister, when you're saying the strong eat the weak, that's not hype at all. For me, it's way cooler for the strong to eat the stronger. Flame tattoo guy says, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Diss me and you get dead. You boop. Bump the sensors. Yeah. The last character who had this was the Son Goku character from uh, Build King. He had a monkey who would swear all the time, and he would have to speak up to make sure the monkey's swear words didn't get seen. So, it's not great pedigree. <laughs> but I don't think this guy's supposed his, to be a major character either, so... No, his, well, his face cracks apart completely so that he can launch a flame breath directly in Maruo's face. To which Maruo says, This is fire! Nice! And then he rips the door off of the nearby wall it's a fire door so it's it's uh good for blocking fire uh -huh. and he, he he holds in front of the fire and it, it acts as a shield and uh they're like oh my god he just ripped the door off the wall and mario was really excited that this guy is breathing fire he's like hey and he had an attack name for it it's just like a manga that's so cool wait a minute it's not cool it's hot because he's got a steel door that he's holding and he's pressing his hands against it while the fire heats it up and it's hot and it hurts so Urara shouts out advice to him that he should use the sprinklers above him. He's, she's just like, just tilt the door so that the flame will go up and, and hit the ceiling. And then I'll set up and he, he, he just he just jumps up and he punches the sprinkler. <laughs> and he punches it so hard that it breaks the pipes in the ceiling, which causes the water to come down. So yeah, it worked out. It worked out. Um, so water falls down and Urara's like, that's not what I meant. But Maro's like, now we can just punch each other in a good old fist fight. And the flame Ayashiman says, bring it, you little foop. And then Arara's like, hey, Maro, you can't beat him like this. We got to set up an official ritual duel. There's no point to it. Pull back and start again. Don't don't beat him. Don't you beat him. Which just pisses the flame tattoo Ayashiman off because he's like, what the hell? Is she dissing me? I don't think this guy has many character traits. It's just, no. it's just a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a cool design. That's all he needs. Uh, he has a brief moment where he realizes that Maro has no key or or, or Ryatsu or Chakra or Magic or Aura. So uh, he's like, so there's no way a moral human punch could hurt me, especially me. It's impossible. And then Maro's like, hey, I've got a name for my attack, too. And I thought about it a bunch, like for years i put all the best bits from the best fi fighting moves together and built the coolest attack name ever so eat this ultimate final conquering destructo heavenly true he punches the guy and he, and he explodes and his head goes flying off and his arms are over there <laughs> it's goop from his back goes over there it splatters and maro goes huh and uh the guy's body falls everywhere in bits and pieces and Maro just goes, I didn't get to finish my attack name. And the Flame Ayashiman's head lands in a nearby box. He looks up at the guy who's manning the station and just goes, huh? 
and Urara and the guy that Maro save stare in disbelief. All right, Nick. You have had strong thoughts on Ayashimon chapters one and two. Yes. Did this like did this chapter change your mind whatsoever? This chapter did nothing. Okay. I, I here's the thing. I did not in any way, shape, or form dislike this chapter. I thought that this was fine. But I have zero feeling towards it. It did not move the needle in any direction for me. So here we are. And uh, I had the very negative thoughts in chapters one and two. I got very, very upset over the minor things last time. I just kind of like tuned out all those little things that I didn't like in this chapter. Like, I think that things that with Ayashimon, if there is a running gag in the chapter, it's not going to work for me. It just, just seems to be the case. Like, we had the exploding head last time, which I thought was horrible. And then we had the, um, is the, are they dissing me thing this time? Didn't, didn't really care for that. Still do not like Morrow's this is just like a manga thing because it just will not stop getting brought up. Um, and I think that the thing about this chapter that actually is kind of the most disappointing is that there's the big gag at the end that also didn't do anything for me. Like, he he's, he, oh, hey, he, he has this really long attack name, but he finishes the fight too quickly for him to actually get it all out. All right. It's, it, it, that's a joke that I'm sure would work if executed differently for me. I don't know. Something about the way that this is done just doesn't do it for me. That's fair. That is fair. Uh, I should note, uh, I've been pretty quiet when it comes to Ayashima. I didn't have much to say for the first two weeks. And I wanted to come out and say why. Uh, I'm dumb. And the first week, I forgot to read it. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like, the way I read manga is, like, I go through the app. So when new series comes in, I have to actually remind myself to read it. Because otherwise, I just click, break, continue reading. When new chapters come up, that list right. updates. So the first week, I was like, oh, shit, we're about to record the podcast. I'll just scan through it real quick. All right, fine. I, I got it now. I got it. I got it. Now I forgot to read it the second week as well, because I didn't read it the first week, so it didn't pop into my keep reading list. So I was like, well, we'll just stay quiet here off to the side. I don't know much well, that. Well, but Nick like, rages himself. But I, was, but I was like, Nick feels very strongly about this. So it worked out pretty damn well for you for those two weeks. Like, All right, yeah. I'll just let Nick's hate carry the episode. But then week three, I was like, Hey, fool me six times, it's on me. So this time I did read, and I was like, this series is great. It made me laugh. I don't know why. I really got tickled by the idea of her being like, ah, yes, use the door to deflect the fire into it. And he's like, huh? And he just jumped up into the ceiling and punched. And I was like, yeah, he's a big dumb idiot. He <laughs> maybe got a chuckle out of me. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's all the stuff that I grew to like about Nashville about Denji from Chainsaw Man. It's just, I don't know, it just doesn't connect with me. Something about the way that I think the art and the jokes mm. carry each other, it doesn't it doesn't come together into a grand sum for me. And I'm sure that that is, that 
people have po- pointed out to me like these are some of the stuff you like in other series like yeah it's true it, 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 it yes you're it, right it, it is doesn't but, work this for me and but it also took you longer like I mean, you could go back to the early, the three chapters we first discussed Chainsaw Man. You didn't like it either, you know? Like, sometimes these things take like time to chapter. build up. Yeah, I like the first chapter of Chainsaw Man, for the, I think. And then actually, I was just like, God, ah, Denji's such a little asshole. Just doesn't care about anything except boobs. And uh, this guy, yeah, he's an asshole. All he cares about is punching people. Yeah. Manga. You can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> So the big question, because we're running low on time, we've read three chapters of this now. Are we going to keep it in the recap? I would prefer that we not. So I would like to keep it in here if only for the pedigree of the author, but we haven't gotten to our Hell's Paradise episode yet. So True. we haven't quite, quite gotten to that point. I think this series is going to hang around. Uh... But it might not. Sometimes, sometimes it it you know peters out. You know, Kishimoto and uh, Shimabukuro also thought they were going to stay around and jump, and they were much larger names and jump. So well, it's a bit of a difference between the <laughs> breadth of those two examples. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the idea of like those were those were people with long running Shonen Jump series as opposed to what did uh, Hell's Paradise run in Ultra Jump or something like that. It was, uh, yeah, not, so, not weak. Yeah. So. Uh, so potentially maybe this doesn't stick around. I enjoy it. I would like to talk about it, but if you don't want to, it still has a home and monthly other recap. And should we decide, Hey, this is hanging around. It's really picking up some steam. We can always reevaluate and move things. Yeah. And knowing my track record, I'm sure then it'll be great <laughs> because I'm so good at all of these things. Like, Oh, Undead Luck, Unluck is terrible. Ah, oh, Chainsaw Man is terrible. I was so on the money with all those. <laughs> but then we fall in love with all the series that uh, are doomed to die immediately. So you never know. Yeah. Okay. That said, let's move on to our new, new, new series. <laughs> yeah. Three news because it's the third week. I didn't know there was going to be three new series in a row. I, I must have missed the announcement or something. I think I've just been so used to us only getting two at a time. We've had two for our, like the last two or I think the last two serialization rounds have just been like two. So this was a bit of a, of a surprise to me. Hey, do you like series about people with no naturally supernatural powers punching and defeating demons let's just call them demons look i've got to learn so many different words for the same fucking thing of late okay <laughs> yokai ayashimon mononoke hollows spirits <laughs> and dragons it's it's yeah, these are all werewolves oh those were different yeah <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> monsters! Evil monsters! Low-powered dude hitting evil monsters. Oh, boy, another one. Yeah. Look. Doron Dororon. I, I think I should win a medal for pronouncing it that well. On should, that. I'm actually very impressed. So this is about a series in which apparently only about 50 years ago, Monsters called Mononoke began appearing and attacking humans, and they've killed a total of 
4,049 people in the past year? Okay. That's a very specific number. There is this bug that has been coming around here. It's right there. Ah! No, Nick! I was the wish bug. Yeah, oh, do you guys yeah, want to see oh, it? Oh, yeah, you fucking massacred that. I don't think the audience can see it because I think where I have it cuts off. Wings are twitching. Hang on. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's to like sneak up in a minute. Wash my uh, fucking hands. <laughs> <laughs> and the saga of Nick killing fucking bugs continues. It's, it's it's almost the running gag at this point. You may be wondering why don't bugs ever sneak into Chris's room while we're recording? I live in Florida. They this just happens, okay? Oh, they also they do too. I just I'm just pretty chill with it. I'm just like. I don't know, there's a lot of spiders around the house. Either you're gonna get eaten, or we're just gonna chill and vibe, you know? I mean, I, I literally wear a medical alert bracelet on my wrist because bugs nearly killed me when I was a kid. So, uh, anyway, there's not any, there's not many good vibes with that. Nah, like ladybugs. Aww, yeah. I like them too. Mononoke are evil. I hate them. That's right. Mononoke. Oh, this one's cute, though. Anyway, that's the premise of the series. And uh, we do get a two-page color sped after this, introducing us to our main characters, including one that only briefly shows up in this chapter, but she's definitely going to be important, judging by her position on here. And hey, there's some kind of cool art, because, hey, the Mononoke that this guy just met he wields him like a flame sword thing on, in this. That looks yeah. kind of cool. And to, to clarify, this is by uh, Gen Osuka, who is the author behind Golem Hearts, which is a series we very briefly talked about uh, several years ago. Yes. So we uh, are introduced to our main character uh, as he is visiting his mother's grave. And he's like, yeah, mom, I just graduated from high school. I know that I got in all sorts of trouble because I kept on getting into fights and there were other issues too, like how I'm not good at school stuff, but I graduated and here's my diploma and I brought you your favorite giant Dorayaki from the Yagudo shop. I bet that makes you happy. And I'm gonna go and become a samurai and I'm gonna be a public servant and you're gonna be proud of me, mom. And then a cat comes along to swipe the, 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 the Dorayaki that he left for his mom, and he snatches it, and he's like, hey, you little... And then he sees that the cat is pregnant. And he's like, all right, you can have it. So so, so he's, he's got a good heart because he did not kick that pregnant cat. <laughs> I don't know why that would have been the question to begin with at all. <laughs> He seemed like he was upset at it. Let's just see if he goes, Yeah, I know, but... Going why you... The, he's going to do something with that cat. The idea that if it wasn't a pregnant cat was like, were you going to hurt that cat? <laughs> it's like the uh, test to determine whether or not you're an android. <laughs> oh, the fuck, you see a turtle on its back? <laughs> yeah. Am I a replicant or not? Like, no. You see a cat, a pregnant cat stealing your food. What do you do? <laughs> I pick up that cat and I kick it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a human response to me, fellow human. As like the panel on their face falls off and they have to slip it back on. Oh no, a mononoke has kidnapped a child. It's this monkey-ish looking demon and it's kidnapped a child. 
and then the uh, the samurai that we saw on the two face spread before kills it with their sword, catches the kid, comforts it, and then uh, we see that as the Mononoke's body uh, fades, it's going Doron. So part of the title is, in fact, maybe all the title is, I guess, just the way that flames and spirit stuff make sounds in this series. Okay. Maybe there's a thing about that that I'm not aware of. Uh, but uh, everyone who witnessed the the, uh, the the attack and the save happen are like, hey, these nine forces are cool and awesome heroes and stuff. And we are introduced to the Izanagi Force is an anti-Mononoke special combat unit. They have triggers that let them dispatch the neighbors. Sorry, they have swords and powers <laughs> that let them dispatch the Mononoke. And uh, so Dora, our main character, is like, yeah, and I'm going to join the Izanagi Force. I'm going to be a samurai, and we're going to be co-workers, and uh, we're going to save people together. Hey, he failed. Because, because, turns out, we do this thing where we take a sample of your blood and we can measure your potential supernatural energy level. And your supernatural energy level is zero. What? You'll never be a samurai. What? But this is the protagonist of our series, Nick. He can't have Kafka. no talent. That's right. Kafka can't join the kaiju force. So... Well, Dora at least Lucky still knows how to play the piano. <laughs> at least we've got that going for us Dora takes off his jacket and flexes and does some shadow boxing stuff and he's like look at how strong I am I've never lost a fight I can take out all those men on okay and someone just shoves him out of the way it's a really big guy who's got a shirt that literally says strongest on it because this dude it has no personality presumably he's like get away small fry and there's a line of people all waiting to take this blood sample test. I don't know why they're... Do they just all go in a line and each of them just, like, sits there after they've drawn their blood? You'd think there would be a much more efficient means of testing this. I guess not. I don't know. Maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's dire times where you have to, like, immediately grab them afterwards. Be like, you gotta start training to be a, a, a fucking whatever this is called agent. <laughs> Uh, yes. I, I was about to say an Ayashimon agent, but this series is very different from Ayashimon. You almost, you couldn't possibly uh, compare them in any way, shape, or form. None. So, Dora grabs the guy by the wrist after he shoves him out of the way, and he's like, yeah, uh, if you want to be a samurai and serve society, you should be more respectful of other people. So, I'm gonna go line up again to retake the test, and you can come to the end of the line with me. And he just drags the much bigger guy off really, really easily. It is actually kind of a cool scene. Uh, but the guy who administered the test is like, yep, th there's no retakes. You test your blood. It's not, no retakes. Yeah. Dora goes off. He's all disappointed. And he is, he's looking around the town. And he sees little bits of damage uh, from when various, you know, uh, demons. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we just, can we just call them yokai and be done with it? <laughs> ah, so, from when they've attacked and stuff, and it makes him think about his mom. And he, he, he says to himself, I mean, the first time I thought about becoming a samurai, I was really just kind of running my mouth. And just like watching TV, sees a news report on samurai, and he's like, hey, mom, maybe I should become a samurai, because I'm no good at school, I'm never going to graduate, but I'm a good fighter, so I could do it. And she got actually really serious, and the and said, hey, that's actually a really good idea. That'd be perfect for you. You've always been a real troublemaker, 
But as a samurai, you could protect people. We've got to graduate high school first. And uh, so Dora's like, yeah, she really wanted that for me. And now she's going to be disappointed because I can't do it. He kicks a rock in disappointment. The rock deflects off of a sign and hits him in the forehead. Our hero. Bam. So, uh, he says, fine, I'll never kick you again, rock. If that rock comes back and is like his strongest ally or something like that, then that'll be great. Great foreshadowing. That's what I, yeah. yeah, I hope it shows up in the next 15 chapters or it's not yeah, showing up. that little rock. <laughs> so... Dora here is a kid in trouble. Oh no, there is a Mononoke after her. Uh, and uh, she's running down the stairs away from danger. There is a Mononoke on an upper floor who's calling for his chewy chewy, which is, you know, he wants to eat her and stuff. And she says, there's a Mononoke up there. And Dora is like, well, we've got to get out of here. But she says, no, wait, my rescuer is still up there. And Dora's like, okay, well, I'll save them. You go down and have someone call the samurai, okay? And uh, she runs off while he goes up to confront the Mononoke and help out the person to rescue the girl and the rescuer was another Mononoke. It's the little Mononoke from the beginning of, of the series when we got that, that, that little in media res bit. It's a little snake-like guy with a determined eye. Um, so Migi uh, starts fighting with the uh, Mononoke and uh, he says, I won't let you do bad things. Actually, he's nothing like Migi in terms of personality, but you know. So... Um, and so the Mononoke is benevolent, and it's a apparently, as we find out later, some sort of vegetarian, and also can like shapeshift and stuff. Uh, the bigger Mononoke throws him around. He's got no power. Um, look, so so around this point is when I lost interest. In <laughs> because look, we had some nice things to say about Gollum Hearts, right? Sure. I don't really remember the series too well, but I remember it having a little bit of an emotional core to it. It was nice. There you go. That's kind of sums up the, the, the thing, is that, yes, there are nice little bits to it, but what it was at its core was not incredibly appealing and entertaining and interesting. There's just kind of the details and the surrounding stuff that is kind of cool. And that's kind of the thing that's going on here with Dora and... Um, I forget his name. So, um, <laughs> the little Mononoke. Uh, so it's just like, okay, there's a fight scene that breaks out here. Uh, they're trying to write, run away. They're trying to fight it. Eventually they're kind of like pushed into a corner, uh, as Dora's like, okay, well, well we, we need to be able to work together in order to actually beat this thing because I don't have any strength uh, in terms of stuff that can actually hurt this Mononoke because I can't actually use supernatural attacks against it. They come to, they decide to work together because the Mononoke is like, let's make, can we make this world happy and kind? And Dora's like, yeah. And oh man, the Mononoke is going to just fucking eat children at that playground over there. But then uh, Dora comes in, he's turned the Mononoke into a giant sword, chops its hands off. And the Mononoke is like, all right, fine, but I've got, energy hands ah so but the Mononoke is like it's okay you can slay it I believe in you and Dora's like okay and then he slashes the sword and he cuts the thing in half and kills it blood rains down everywhere the Mononoke is killed goes up in flames and then Dora thinks back to his mom and she says to him hey you know a bunch of parents from your school came to my work today to complain that you'd hurt their children but there were also a couple who came to thank me saying that their kid was being bullied 
You fight off 10 kids to protect one, huh? I think you'll make an awesome samurai. You'll do great things, and then everyone will know that my wonderful son is strong and kind. Oh, isn't that nice? Sure. Uh, <laughs> the has been giant Monoke has been defeated, and Dora thinks to himself, I didn't make it as a samurai, and I'm teaming up with the Monoke, but maybe I'm making you just a little bit proud, right? And then he turns to the Monoke, and he's like, hey, do you have a name? And he's like, yeah, Kusanagi. Okay. Uh, they thank each other, and then Dora's like, hey, do you, like, eat people? And he's like, no. I eat weeds and stuff. So Dora's like, okay, let's go get some Dorayaki. And the Monoke is like, Dorayaki? Like, we're going to grill you? And Dora's like, yeah, kids always tease me about that when I was little. It's a thing that I can't really appreciate the pun of. But, hey, it's a joke based on his name, and I do relate hard to being made fun of because of what your name was when you were a kid. Because children have no imaginations when it comes to naming things. The girl. Um, that's right, they used to call you Nick the Prick, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> the elementary school kids. <laughs> They're just a bunch of, like, 30s gangsters. Ah, look at Nick the Prick over here. Slick Nick the Prick coming down the chimney here, boys. Taking on the arches there. We're going to be a wet biscuit, daddy-o. What are you guys saying? <laughs> we don't know either, see? <laughs> I'm just regurgitating things I saw on the television, on the tube, on the, on the, on the telly, on the schmuck box. (laughs) That's what my pa calls it, the schmuck box. And he slaps me about the head. Go get me a pint of milk from the store for a nickel. He doesn't realize we're in 2021. So that nickel ain't buying a whole lots of milk, you see. So this went from being supposedly about my childhood to being 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You you still go to the elementary school today and kids, you don't know we're calling you Nick the Prick. You're just walking about. They're like, Nick the Prick. Like, how do you know these words? Very concerning. How do you know me? (laughs) Uh, Is this place haunted? (laughs) (laughs) Girl Samurai has discovered the aftermath of battle. They're going to find out who used the lollipop uh, thing. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, and uh, then we end on Kusanagi and Dora eating together, and they're they're friends now, and they're going to make a kind of nappy world. Yeah. Okay, here we are. We got a new series about slaying demons and stuff. It's, it's all right. It's all right. So okay. Here's my thoughts on do 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 um, It is not necessarily that it's an exorcist manga. I'm actually, like, we got a break from them for a while. Um, this series, in the politest way I could say, has small elements going for it that are nice. Like, I don't feel like anything in it is necessarily inauthentic, and the art looks kind of nice at times. But otherwise, this series is aggressively mid in every single other tangible way. I don't look at this and I'm like, this is something special. I don't even look at it and say, this is something very entertaining. It's a lead who's like, I promised my dead mom that I was going to become the best samurai ever. And I have to kill all the yokai, but I don't have any talent. So I teamed up with a small monster to do it. And it's like, all right, that's like three tropes in one 
and none of them are particularly interesting. So it's got a big uphill battle to climb. It's also, unfortunately, in the same slot, you know, uh, the same area as Ayashimon, which does have at least some measure of a pedigree behind it. So whatever editor came up with, let's put these two weeks apart. should be fired like that's i would i would almost assume conspiracy that they were like this thing's gonna die right or it was purely like you two are just gonna have to compete and see which one comes out ahead and i'm sorry but i i don't think it's gonna be this one look i like i i like doron dororon better than ayashimon because there are parts of it that i actually find charming in any way but i will say 100 percent it is a far less exceptional series than Ayashimon. It stands out far less. It, mm. it, it, it just does. So, um, Also, it goes to show how little I, I was invested in actually analyzing this series that when you were giving your your uh, your uh, review of it, I just honed in on the fact that you said aggressively mid, and I just kept on thinking about League of Legends. And I was like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about the meta to know which mid champions are actually aggressive. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, it's got to be. But uh, bu- fuck, what's his name? B- b- Fireman, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand. 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 That's it. I was like, it's not Blaze. That's yeah, he's, slightly. Yeah, he's yeah. OK, I want him. To sh- I want him to show up at Arcane because he's one of those old ass champions. that doesn't have an interesting backstory or lore to him. It's just like he's it's a dude. It's a dude. He's on fire. He was introduced how long ago, too? Hang on a second. He was recent when I started a... playing. And when I started playing, yeah. I think Hecarim had just come out and Varus was coming out like a like the week after I started playing. I think that like. OK, he came out in 2011. So, all right. Anyway, so Magu-chan. <laughs> Let's zip through Magu-chan after wasting some time talking about League of Legends. Chapter 69, Mission Rescue the Disciple of Destruction. So, hey, it's the base of the Holy Knights, and Ninitsi uh, comes in through a portal with Izuma, and the Knighthead guy from the uh, Ten Generals meets him, and it's like, hey, it's good to have you back. And uh, he says, you did a fine job on your mission monitoring the God of Destruction. And Izuma says as they walk off, uh, hey, uh, Lord Gildabar, uh, why did you kidnap Ryu Yanagi? <laughs> it's like a point. It's like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? <laughs> but uh, Gildabar says, like, we didn't kidnap her. We've taken an innocent civilian who has been bewitched by an evil god into our care. Magmanuak's power is like a weapon of mass destruction. He's too dangerous to be in the hands of a young girl. Uh, so Izuma's like, no. All right, then. And he says, I guess you didn't believe anything that we put in our reports. You shouldn't separate her from Magmanuak. We will protect her everyday life. And ah, the big reveal. He whips off his his robe that, that signifies he belongs to the knighthood and instead is wearing his school uniform underneath it because that's who he truly is. I mean, look, I, I noticed that. Anyway. Also, Magu comes in through the portal. And Ren, who's got a baseball bat, which I'm sure will be very effective. Actually, if he takes out one of the generals by just bopping them with the baseball bat, I will. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. Funny. And also, Napujigu's there, and he's got a knapsack. Yeah, that, that he would. 
so Gildabar's like, I mean, we did kind of expect this. I, 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 it's still weird that you're working with a god of destruction, though. We get a recap of the story. We get a flashback to see that, oh, hey, Uneris's pigeon explains some stuff. Uneris sent a message to them that was written out like it was a ransom note. And it just says, like, I'm going home. And we've been ordered to return to headquarters. And a weakling has no choice. But a weakling like myself has no choice but to obey. And she, we see her going boo-hoo in a flashback within the flashback where she is making the note. It's done like a ransom note as well where she, like, snipped out kanji in order to spell stuff out. Because she's Oneris, and that's what she does, I guess. So, uh, Boneris also tells them, like, hey, if you're going to return to headquarters as well, please stop by my message room within this branch location. Nanitsi has opened an astral gate that connects to headquarters. Don't forget to lock the door before you head back. So Magu's like, oh, we can just use that to go to, go to headquarters. But he doesn't say it like that. He says it really, really ominously because he's, he's, he's a god. So, yeah. So they make preparations... Uh, Izuma is shocked because both Magu and Ren are planning to go and, and, and save Ruru and Ren just says yeah I'm going to get Ruru back I'm going to make them tell me where they took her uh, and Izuma says well but it, it's outside I can't come to headquarters and Ren's like I don't give a fuck <laughs> and there's a nice really serious little moment where he flashed where he reflects on after Ruru's dad died presumably where he says, and he says, because like as little kids, he's looking at her and she's all sad and he's just like, doesn't know what to do. And he says, yeah, Rue should be able to live a peaceful and happy life. And that's what I vowed when she found herself on her own. So, uh, and he, but he's also like, and hey, Magu is the one that Rue needs. So they make agreements to go together. Yzma makes up his mind on who to help people out. And, so, and uh, then it turns out he also got... The new weapon that he wanted from Aeneas. So hey, he's got he's got he's got a Quincy bow now. It looks like so. Yes. Anyway, we catch up in the present. They make demands that they set Ruru free, and then we find out that Nabutiku didn't know where they were going. He's just brought along for the ride. He's like, where are we? I gotta start my shift. <laughs> Uh, but Ren says, hey, you know, I'm, look, consider me like I'm hiring you for a part time job because we've got to use your abilities in order to save Ruru. And I'll give you my pocket change if you help us. And uh, Puduk is like, OK, no takesies backsies. <laughs> He's a god. I do love the uh, like the yep, no takesies backsies like pocket change, my guy pocket change. How much do they pay you at this job? Like, are you getting real wages? Now's the time to unite with your fellow workers. You shouldn't be letting this organization be taking you down. You know, our anti-work is the fastest growing subreddit right now. All of my co-workers are the family I work for. And they're taking advantage of you to put the coup. They let me live with them. So they demand you to be on their premises at all hours to work. Mm. Are you... Are you a servant? Is that what's going <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting to think you're being... Very greatly taken advantage of, my good boy. What? No! They're humans that offer me provisions! <laughs> In exchange for my service and labor. Uh, so, Gildabar kind of mocks them, says, like, oh, I can't believe a boy who would rely on the powers of a wicked god to defy us, and Izuma Kisaragi who addresses him as master. We are of a chosen bloodline! Blah, 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 blah. They're saying that uh, Ruru is receiving punishment for working together with with gods, and immediately both Ren and Maku imagine that she's been strung up, like she strings all of the gods up when, in order to punish them, which 
okay. It's, it's much less amusing when you have. I was gonna say it, it, it takes on a, a a much less like amusing imagery when you're like, that's a person, that's a child. <laughs> As opposed to you know she strung up like a, a stuffed animal basically. <laughs> um, and then Gildabar says, if you wish to see her, proceed through that inner door. But there are five rooms beyond it, and there are one and one duels in each room beyond. <laughs> Just calls it out. It's like, all right. And then Mago's like, nope, enough of this shit. And he just shoots his eye beam and blows up the hall. <laughs> it makes a pathway through all the rooms. Thankfully, it was one straight room, because if it had been, like, different floors, it'd be like, oh, I have to aim upwards for this. <laughs> so, that all happens. Immediately, both Ren and Naputiku spring to action to make some food on Naputiku's uh, portable cooker so that Mago can eat so that he can restore his energy. Um, cool. And uh, he makes this big speech about uh, what they're here to accomplish and how he doesn't give a shit about the Holy Knighthood. And he says, we were invited into this land. Left with a curt note. The power of Astro can only be used if a magic user installs the gate. On his own, Ninitsi is incapable of traversing vast distances. This was all her doing from the beginning. What say you? providential Lunaris. And hey, Lunaris is there. She was never actually captured and made to come along outside of her will. Uh, it's her boss form, because, like, there's a portal under her where, like, her real form, I guess, is hands are coming out around her body, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm working for the Holy Knighthood, so this is my idea, and I'm going to be taking you on with my real body if you want to get Ruru back, so you better come at me all at once. And, um, that's basically the chapter. Yeah, I mean, there's some cool art. Uh, there's some stuff going on that's interesting. I guess we'll see what happens next week. But, uh, you know, fun stuff. We're like, sure. we have like a very, we have like six more series to get through. So I can't really yeah, spend a ton of time on individual thoughts. Umuneris also, I imagine, is going to be heavily, heavily involved in the next chapter. So great. <laughs> yeah. Protect me, Shugamaru. Chapter 2. Protect me while weeding, Shugamaru. Shugamaru tries to protect Zyojo while they weed. There is a teacher that is really intense and keeps on talking to them through the me through a megaphone. Eventually, uh, because Shugamaru is so ridiculous, uh, he chops up his megaphone and the guy runs away. And then everyone's like, oh, I guess that this girl is cool and we can hang out with her and stuff. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess this is fine. It's all right if Shugamaru hangs out with me because I made friends after all. And then he gets freaked out because a fly buzzes near her head and he chops nearly slicing everyone's heads off. And he also chops the building behind them in half. And everyone's really like freaked out by it and they decide to keep their distance. Except for one girl who's got a headband on. And that's the only character trait that we know of so far. Yeah, they were nice to her. Um, yes. This chapter was not great. Uh, it reused the joke with the ice uh, guy again, which is only going to be funny if they do that every single week for the rest of the series. And then at the end, Iron when series, yeah. when this ends in 18 chapters or whatever, it turns out he was uh, crossbones or whatever the fuck skull, whatever the bad guy's name is. <laughs> fucking stupid thing. Um, but yeah, this is not particularly a very funny series. And this was not a particularly good second chapter. Yeah. Um, I remember reading it. I um, had to actually just like flip through the pages to remind myself of anything that happened beyond just the premise of the series, though. Yeah. Dr. Stone! Let's talk about a good series. Dr. Stone! Time to get stoned! 
D equals 220, a desire for all. Uh, they've whipped up a model of the multi-component rocket that they're going to take to the moon, and the Reese is very, very pleased with it. And uh, as they look upon it, you know, Sai says, yeah, you know, whenever we were kids, whenever Ryusui made his model ships, he'd always wrote me, uh, wrote me in and make me run the numbers. And we see a flashback to when they were hanging out. Ryusui had a little model ship. And he's like, hey, I, this, this, it's not enough that this is a model. Let's make a real ship and sail on it. Sai, can you program a sailing simulator for my ship? Aw, oh, isn't that sweet? And now they've got a flight simulator for a spaceship. Yeah. And, and also, because it was made by Sai, it is also a video game. Wow, come on. Makes sense. It is a flight simulator. So, Ryusui is getting, do, doing really well on it. And uh, he's like, yes, yes, yes. This is just a sim, though. Um, Baron's like, hey, yeah, there's nobody out there who could dream of being a better pilot than you, Ryusui. And then there are just the words that flash over the landscape. Stone World, experience, pilot. And as he thinks and he plays the game or plays the simulator, he thinks back to when they were being attacked in America by Stanley in his like bomber uh, plane and uh, how incredibly skilled of a pilot he was in that moment. And as he thinks about it, he just starts to like think and he loses his focus. Uh, and uh, also there are um, space invaders um, in the flight simulator because size really likes video games. To which Senka brings up, I mean, we might have to actually, like, get into one of these in space. You never know. So, yeah. It could happen. Could happen. Um, also, they have to deal with the Medusa. Fortunately, Joel has come up with uh, the solve everything invention. <laughs> he well, made a special... It's, it's treated like this is, like, a phenomenal invention. And I was like, I mean, it's a watch. It's just a yeah. watch that pierces something and sprays fluid on you like they and it's only one one dose so it's not like yeah it's 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 not like it's like oh it just does it over and over again this could protect me forever they're like yeah you know it only really works kind of in one level i mean it is a clever idea though. it is but he's like what does he call it a masterwork of my watchmaking career and i was like I don't know. Kind of feels like you just made a stopwatch with a like a fucking needle in it that pokes a, a potion and, and pours it on you, basically. Yeah. So it's basically said that like, hey, if you see a petrification beam coming towards you, you can set this thing on a timer, and so then a after you measure it out properly, the wave washes over you, it petrifies you, but then the timer goes off, releases some revival fluid on you, so you just immediately come back from it. We've essentially defeated the petrification beam. Hooray! Uh... But they're so they also bring up, however, a bunch of other stuff like, hey, uh, did you, you know, there's the mountain of Medusa's a ground zero, remember? Uh, and Kak is like, oh, so if the petrification beam comes in multiple waves, how would we defend against that? So immediately the, the, the major problem with the watches is yeah. brought up. I mean, the solution seems to be you could wear multiple watches, but whatever. <laughs> well, the idea, I guess, is if you get frozen. And then undosed, are you going to have enough time to actually set the next watch? Or you could set all three of them. Well, you don't know. I, I Presumably, if they're all in different waves, you don't see how fast the second and potentially third ones are going to actually know how long you have to set mm -hmm. it for. Uh, Sukasa in that moment brings up, hey, 
if Y-Man decides to fire consecutive waves of petrification beams, they're going to be on a delay from each other, which means that after the initial attack, there has got to be a countdown. And before the next Medusa unleashes its wave of attack, that's when you've got to take action. With this fucking bazooka! Which fires nets. And grenades! Yeah! <laughs> so essentially, they just start practicing shooting and destroying the fuck out of petrification devices. Uh, so Ryusui and Kohaku and Senku said about this training so that they can do this. Kohaku and Senku are not good at it, uh, but Ryusui is. Uh, and so like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's really taking his job seriously. Uh, and he's we can really count on his shooting skills. But Ryusui is not convinced. He's got that thoughtful look on his face still. At night, he gazes up at the moon and he thinks to himself, I just can't ignore it. There's a pilot better than me who also happens to be the world's greatest marksman. And he goes to the hidden cave where Sukasa was kept safe while they were off doing the stuff with the Petrification Kingdom. And he goes into the cave, which is honestly made more obvious by all the caution tape. That <laughs> yeah. <inside> it. <laughs> it's like a video game's like, we have a secret here, but we want you to know there's a secret in here. Yeah. Maybe you should Wait check it out. Wait a minute. These rocks are glowing. <laughs> <laughs> this texture is different than everything else. If my years of watching Hanna-Barbera cartoons have taught me anything, that's going to move. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, they're keeping Stanley here. And uh, we get this really cool uh, full-page spread of him just staring thoughtfully directly into Stanley's petrified face. So, hey, it looks like there's uh, more twists to be found in terms of uh, finding out who the crew is. It's something that we wanted to have happen last time. Spend more time actually following that process. And this is really cool. Seeing Ryusui show that, yeah, he wants to go and fucking go to space and stuff. But for the good of everything, he's willing to put that aside. It's nice. Yeah. And I, I had brought up Stanley last time. And I, I, I'm glad he's, he is getting re-involved into the story. It's a good, good move. So we on our Discord bring up the uh, thought that uh, maybe Xeno was planning on sabotaging the spaceship mission so that, you know, he could get Senku out of the way. And Stanley going on the mission uh, possibly prevents that from happening. So yeah, different possibilities. All right. We're going to move on to Mashal then. Before we do that, though, I real quick want to mention we have uh, a member of our audience, uh, Lost Thief, who also is a writer for ANN, recently uh, had their house destroyed by a fire mm -hmm. and uh, is basically they've set up a GoFundMe for that lucky for any donations up mount i know what it's like to have uh, a lot of things go wrong during the holiday season so i'm going to make sure to include a link to this if you're listening to this live obviously I'll, I'll post it in our chat but if you're listening to it later uh, i'll include a link into it in the uh, youtube description and everything like that so if you feel uh if you have the money if you have uh the ability to it would of course be greatly appreciated uh and with that let's talk about mashal Magic and Muscles. Uh-oh. Hold on a second. There we go. Uh, Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 87, Dot Barrett, and the Two Foes Too Many. So, uh, we pick up last time where Charlie Capiccio... Now, that's too good of a name. What was his name? Contini, I think. Charles Contini, something like that. He got beat. Lance is like, cool, I'll take the key. Uh, I promised my mother I'd never <laughs> go back on my word or whatever. And then he opens up a portal. He's like, here, you can go back to your room. And Lance, I assume, automatically knew this was going to happen because he goes into the portal key first. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the portal starts closing. So he drops the key and moves his hand. So 
he got the key to Dot, but he didn't lose an arm in the process, because the guy's like, I was hoping you would lose an arm, and Dot, or uh, Lance immediately hits him with gravity magic that, like, breaks his back, I assume. I think it's my favorite joke in the chapter, just seeing the way the guy's body is completely destroyed by this Because, <laughs> like, oh, I'm actually disappointed now. Yeah, it's, it's, his, it's not his, his back. Legs, I thought his legs were still standing up. It, that would have been fucking awesome. <laughs> But now his his feet are just kicked up. I'm disappointed now that I see you closer. Yeah. So it's Dot and uh, Rose Quartz. And Dot's like, well, Lance won his battle. All MASH needs now is for me to win mine. So I'm basically the main character, right? And this guy's what? The big bad's number two? Uh, this is going to be tough. I'm not saying I can't beat him. It's just going to be a little tough is all I'm saying. You know? No, no. you know what? I'm going to kick his ass. And then a guy, another member of the group shows up. And he's like, you know, two of them? You know what? I can still win. But against two, I, you know, I played nice. I stayed out of it when there was another fight going on. This guy's probably not going to do that. So, I know it doesn't matter, though, because I got this. Uh, basically, the guy, uh, Rose Quartz, immediately starts doing the same thing. He puts a, a polarity on Dot and just starts throwing him into a steel ball over and over again. And Dot doesn't have the super speed of mash to turn it into a shaved ball. Yep. And the other guy could shoot acid, which seems like a, not a good combo, but just two very strong things that exist in the same space together. So uh, Dot activates his form. They don't I forgot the name of it. It's like Ira Cruz or some shit like that. He was he was like some special thing. We can see it happen again. He gets the cross on his forehead. He's this magic power spikes. He's doing a bunch of attacks. But it's like, oh, did I get them? No, they're fine. They can they can use their ability to you know magnetize themselves to the ceiling and avoid everything. But Dot used that to get so close. And it's like, how did he get that that close? And he looks and sees Dot's feet have explosion marks all over them. It's like he used explosion magic on himself. And uh, Dot says, not much you could do to me when I'm this close to you. Rose Quartz is like, but you can't attack us at this range either. And Dot says, idiot. I ain't like you. And he's just shooting out a whole bunch of explosions. He says, there's nothing naive about fighting for a friend. In fact, it takes guts. And unlike you, I'm not afraid to die if I have to. Your turn, Silver Spoon. Die a hundred times. And there's a big page of explosions happening. And then we end the chapter with MASH running through the darkness saying, I know Lance and Dot are out there doing their best. I need to get out and fast. Also, he's only just said, there's something up about this place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's an all right action chapter. Dot got to do some stuff, but it's, eh, it's all right. Yeah, Dot's power set doesn't lend itself particularly well to cool moments, per se. It's just a bunch of explosions, which is very cool. But, I mean, it... It isn't as funny as other chapters, and it's not also as action cool as other chapters as well. Yeah. So it's just kind of okay. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the elusive samurai is chapter 41, mask 1335. Uh, Oh, shit. It looks like Tokiyuki and company are caught now because there's a hundred soldiers on horseback surrounding them as they're trying to carry messages back and forth. Gimba tries to get them some cover with a smoke bomb, uh, and uh, he also throws down some cantrips so that they, so that they can escape. Uh, but, unfortunately, um, Sagamore, Sadamune 
just spots them with his magic fucking eyeballs. He shoots an arrow, pins Tokyuki to a tree, and that gives some of his soldiers enough time to quickly grab him. And Genba gets taken down. Kojiro gets taken down. It looks like they're done for. But then arrows rain down on Sadamune's men. Who is responsible for this? I shall tell you. And we get a Darkwing Duck speech. Heaven's vengeance allows none to escape. The guardian deity of Shinano sees all. The Shinano mask to the rescue. And it's... (laughs) It's Yorishige. Like, everyone immediately is like, that's Yorishige. That's just yeah. Yorishige. But he's wearing a mask. But it's just Yorishige. He's wearing his regular <laughs> clothing, but just a mask, too. So everyone just reacts completely unbelievably to this. And then Moritaka, you know, Yorishige's, like, right-hand man, who is also wearing a mask, he's just like, you see the Shinano mask is a divine incarnation that appears to save people who are in trouble. And so anyways, it's like, you're, you're Yorishige. It's very obviously, it's like, no, no, I'm not. I'm Suwa Mask. You just said a different name. You're not, no. <laughs> so, uh, but then Yorishige gets much more challenging and he says, oh, yes, if you want to prove that I am, uh, that I'm Yorishige, then you just have to capture me. But can you do that? And suddenly gets pissed off, and so he just turns his horse around and says, "Fall back. We we won't. We're even in numbers with them, and they've got the high ground, Anakin." So he doesn't think it's worth pursuing a fight at this point, and they ride off. So uh, Yorishige says that the real reason that they actually came into this area was because they were re- uh, going to reinforce the troops in the center. They're basically going to follow a similar uh, path of action as Tokiyuki's group, but. He also kind of realized that there was Tokyuki running around. Hey, that kid I was suspicious of is running around. Maybe I could get him to talk and and figure stuff out. So, yeah. Uh, So, Yoroshige says in this moment, like, look, it's it's too risky now for you to be delivering messages like this. So leave that to the others. And you you are coming back to Suwa with me. The farther I stray from Suwa the more people and as more people join the fight, the more that I don't have my precognitive abilities, the less able I am to predict what's going to happen. So Tokiyuki is very upset to hear this. And, and but Yoroshige starts to say, look, all the people who accompany the three gate generals, they aren't going to give you up. If they admit, in, uh, they're not going to admit involvement if they're tortured or anything. But that's not to protect me. They believe that Sua Myojin is going to rise up one day. They're prepared and you don't need to bear that burden. And you're crucial to that eventual goal. We can't lose you. So you've got to avoid danger. But Tukiyuki just snaps at him and shouts out, I want to be useful to you. You've got an important destiny too, but you just keep on giving to me. You by serving as your liaison between your allies, I felt like I was repaying my debt to you, and that made me happy. And now I have to go back. So Yorishige mumbles something to himself after hesitating. He starts to say, "No, I'm the one." But before Tokyuki can figure out what the hell he's talking about, he gets back to his normal self. He's all enthusiastic and you know cringy, and he says, "Okay, you're not allowed to engage in combat in any way." You're going to keep on delivering messages and observing from the rear. Uh, and uh, so Tokyuki is happy with that. 
He goes off uh, and leaves Yoroshige behind. And as he leaves, Morisaka looks at uh, Yoroshige, who has snatched off the guy's mask, and he's wiping tears away because he's thinking to himself just how great Tokyuki has actually been to him. You know, he every day has gotten to live with him like this and see his growth and see how kind he is. And he says, the one receiving too much is me. Oh, isn't that nice? Anyway, there's a fight going on. Fighting, fighting, fighting. Ayako is participating in the battle. She's going to go and fight alongside her father. Fubuki is analyzing the battle. And then, oh man, the Kakushi showed up. He is bravely from within the confines and safety of his um, fortress shooting people. That's the end of the chapter. Yes. Not a ton to say on this one. I do like the joke of he was wearing a mask and then the real explanation of just like, look, you don't have proof that I did it. So even if we all know it's me, you actually can't do anything about this situation. We all we've reached the point where we're not really pretending anymore. At this point, we both kind of openly know that we hate each other. Look, everyone knows that Mr. America is Hulk Hogan, but (laughs) you still have to get the proof and have him set up to a lie detector first. But the lie detector was rigged or something. Yeah. Which does sound like Hulk Hogan's usual level of heroism. (laughs) (laughs) No, that it was the lie detector was a Hulkamania, brother. Yeah, (laughs) it said its prayers and ate its vitamins. All right. Real quick. Let's talk about Black Clover. Page 315. Ultra Giant Showdown. Uh, go, go, Power Rangers. This chapter really is improved if you play that soundtrack in the background, which, to be fair, most chapters are approved by that, even if they don't have yeah, a connection sure. to Power Rangers in it. Uh, they're fighting off the monster, but it's not going so well because it could just slowly melt the the actual Megazord. I know there's other names I could use for it right now, but we're short on time, so I'm just going to use whatever words come out of my mouth. Uh, so they're in like a bad so- a bad situation right now. Uh, Fuego Leon and Mario Leona are able to get up under the oppressive gravity and shoot a bunch of fire I don't know what it's meant to accomplish, but I guess it's another distraction that the gravity monster thing has to deal with, that Lucifero has to deal with. Uh, they punch it. They do a bunch of things. But hey, it's torn apart. They're like, oh, that was our last chance. We're all done for. But all the Black Bulls are like, nope, it's going to be OK. Isn't that right? Asta. And we get a two page spread of Asta taking out Yami's sword. He's like really far away. I don't know how he got there that fast, to be completely honest. Um, but I guess Asta's going to save the day here. That's chapter. Yep. Yep. Um, the one thing that I have to note is, um, so we see, we cut around to everyone who is like buckling under the gravity, like all across the country, uh, you know, as the battle is going on. But when I first saw this, I thought, are all those people on the castle that the Black Bulls turned into their Megazord? <laughs> Which does make me like legitimately ask, like they turned an entire castle into their Megazord thing. Were there people inside of it? that are now just like Nick caught in this battle. <laughs> yes. There were innocent people aboard the death star. It's fine. All right. These things happen. All right. Cool. Chapter 1033 of one piece. Shimatsuki Kozaburo. Uh, that whole thing that we left off the last chapter on, not going to talk about it. All this, week. <laughs> this doesn't come up, uh, but Hey, Zoro is having difficulty with Enma, his new sword. It is surging within his grasp, and he's having to use armament hockey in order to hold it steady. King uses the distraction to attack him. Um, but then he just, like, stops right in front of him. 
And Zoro's like, what the hell are you doing? Stabs him right in the gut. And King goes, jackpot. And there's a big explosion. Oh, that's not good. Rot row. We cut. Yeah. We cut to where Sanji is. Uh, there's a bunch of, you know, wrecked room around him and stuff like that. And Queen's just talking about King. And he says, yeah, that guy is a remnant of the extinct Lunarians, a monster capable of surviving in any natural environment. In the distant past, his people were known as gods, and they had tea with dinosaurs like this one. So, uh, Sanji says, "What? well, if they were known as gods, why'd they die out? And Queen's like, go, go read a history book, and starts shooting a breath weapon at him. Fair enough. Yep. Zoro's been knocked on his ass. Uh, he says that he protected himself with arm and hockey from the explosion. But he's like, I have no idea how he's alive. He literally blew himself up. Uh, he slashes through King's neck with another attack. It does nothing. He, 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 he just go, comes back at him and he does his weird slingshot spire spike thing uh, with his head. And Zoro's like, oh, man, that that it's it's like. I, I can't believe that he's not affected at all. And he gets ready to block the attack, but Enma starts acting up again, and so he's distracted, and the stake pierces his side, uh, and he starts coughing up blood and stuff. Cesaro so sent flying uh, and catapulting as well through rocks and stuff because of the absurd power of, you know, the elastic pteranodon spike. That's that's a thing. Um and as he falls, his swords fall out of his grasp. And so he grabs onto each one as he comes across it. He remembers back when he first got Kitetsu. Uh, and he also had talked with uh, Tengu about it. Uh, and uh, he keeps on falling. And then he finds Wadoichi Monji, his first sword. And he remembers the promise that he first made that... He was going to become a great master swordsman, so great that his name would be known in heaven. And uh, then we cut to him talking with the Tengu again, who says, It must be some twist of fate. You see, that white blade and Enma were both crafted by the same man, Shimatsuki Kozaburo. And Zoro says to himself, It all came so sudden, I wasn't putting it together. Why would there be a famous katana of Wano in some tiny village of the East Blue? And uh, he starts fighting with King some more, having to deflect attacks uh, that are being launched out from his fiery wings or something. And uh, then we cut to a conversation they had with Momonosuke about the meaning of the word Sunachi, which apparently he heard from the old guy in his village. Uh, and he thinks to himself, the old man was always sitting there at the coast. And I never knew his name. And it wasn't even until the day he died that I learned he was Kuina's grandpa. The Tengu says the blacksmith Shimatsuki Kozaburo, he broke the laws and left this land over 50 years ago. And then we get a flashback. Black borders. Get ready to be sad. Except not really. Nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing Don't really worry. They extended Zoro's flashback to keep it just as boring. <laughs> And uh, we see that uh, while Zoro was, like, pra practicing, or I guess had just been practicing. No, he's practicing. Okay. He's talking with the old man of the village, who says, Yeah, Sunachi, it's a magic word that summons strength into your heart. And Zoro's like, yeah, but it sounds weird. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. 
did you used to be a samurai? Everybody at the dojo says you used to be a samurai. And the old man says, shut up, or the Navy will come and invade the village. <laughs> so Zoro's like, oh, fine. Ah, I'm going to go hit stuff with my sword. <laughs> I never want to see any protracted flashback with, with kid Zoro in it. He was such a little shit. <laughs> Uh, but then he says that because uh, Queena beat him in practice and he's like, I need more practice. And so the blacksmith's just like, you have these swords. And Zoro's like, I can't pay for these. I said practice, not fucking weapons. <laughs> the I, says, I'm not trying to kill her. <laughs> he's like, hey, don't. Queena, you're fucking ready now. <laughs> he's like, don't you worry. The staircase will do that for you. What are you talking about? <laughs> we oh. cut, we uh, cut, to, cut to her house. The staircase sneers evilly. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the staircase was a double freeze. <laughs> I, who ate the stair stair fruit all those years ago, I'm going to claim my first victim. Oh, God. So, uh, but uh, the blacksmith says like, ah, they're total crap anyway. I don't need them. And uh, I can only seem to forge crap anymore anyway, so you can use them for practice. But then he says, listen closely. A sword is like a kitchen knife, but for murder! They are created to kill people. A blacksmith hones his craft so that his weapons are better at killing than any other. A sword has its own personality. A swordsman must master it and bend it to his will. Do you think a dangerous sword is cursed? No, that's the sign of great quality. When the weak fear a sword and call it cursed, that is a badge of honor. They should be frightening. They're meant to cause terrible harm. There was one blade I crafted when I was a young man. The greatest weapon I ever made. Its disposition deadly serious. Just holding it in your hand sent a shiver down the spine. So I gave that masterpiece the name of the king who watches over hell. And Zoro's like, I'm an atheist, so it took me this long to realize that this, the king of the underworld is Enmok. <laughs> and then he realizes my village is named for Shimotsuki. So I guess it wasn't just a coincidence the whole time. And the old man was a samurai. He was the blacksmith who crafted these great weapons. And then he thinks about uh, what the sword shop owner from way back when told him, which is a sword chooses its wielder. And he says, it came to me. It chose me so it could test me. And he puts on armament hockey on his arm and grips Enma and picks it up. And he says, a sword is honest and direct, not wicked. It was my strength that was lacking. Does this mean that even with so much hockey being drained away, Odin wielded you as though you were light as a feather? And so he starts to think about what he should do in order to wield Enma properly. Uh, as a bunch of random assholes gather around the battle, they're like, hey, king, let us fight the asshole. Oh, shit, hockey. And they fall over. Um, but Zora just says to himself, if I have to keep exuding hockey in order to use this thing, it's going to kill me. And then King looks at him and he's like, I see. You intend to be a king then because he is using conqueror's hockey. But he thinks back all the way to when he met Luffy. And Luffy said, if you want to be the world's greatest swordsman, that's great. And it's fitting because your new boss is going to be the king of the pirates. And Zoro says, that's right. I've got a promise to keep to my captain and my best friend. 
So uh, a bunch of people were really like they were super excited about this chapter because uh, back in like an uh, an SBS fucking I don't know how many years ago, Oda was asked to draw what each of the different swords of Zoros would be like if they were like personified. And the one for uh, Wado looks exactly pretty much like this guy. A little bit different facial hair uh, down by the chin. But it looks identical. And they're like, it's he was always known. And I'll be honest. Look, I, I think Oda is a very talented author in a lot of ways. Everything about this flashback reeks of something Oda was like retroactively like, no, nah, I got <laughs> to figure this out after the fact. Like, how did one of those swords from this kingdom <laughs> get back there? Oh, I already drew what that fucking dude looks like. I'll just draw, I'll just fucking change his face up a little bit. Like, it, it works out perfectly. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it's it seems like a remarkably fortunate coincidence. And then it's like, well, how did that happen? Sometimes you don't really want that question to be actually answered. Because while this is a serviceable explanation, it does take a lot of the mystique out of it. Now, that said, I do like a lot of the stuff that this guy says about yeah, swords. I, 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 I do think the ultimate details are cool. Like I, I do like the ultimate message and, and you know, Zoro, I think looks cool at the end of it. It was just one of those moments where I was like, you know, sometimes Oda's human and just, <laughs> just does things. <laughs> this is one of those moments. I'm like, Oda did it again. That, that son of a bitch till we get Jen. And then I'm going to say it all up and down the episode. You won't even be able to stop me. I'm going to be so pumped. I do kind of wonder. So I did see some people saying that there are that, that like some of this, what, what Zoro is saying is also like saying like my oldest friend. Uh, it could be translated as here. And I do kind of wonder. Because I'm sure that when he says my captain and my best friend, he is referring to Luffy in both cases. But I do kind of wonder if maybe the second might maybe actually be referring to Kuina and the promise he made to her, which would be a nice thing to kind of like make it feel like everything is being tied together in this moment. Hmm. But yeah, I'm sure it's just meant to be Luffy. I do really like the way that we bring up like, hey, you know, even that stuff that that one, you know, sword shop owner uh, was saying uh comes back and in terms of helping Zora realize what he's got to do it's it's cool stuff yeah that's gonna do it for uh, all of the manga this week so we're gonna wrap things up here thank you guys for joining us for weekly manga recap we record this show we'll get to the all the announcements and stuff at the end let me just let me just rattle off my spiel here <laughs> and we'll get out of it so Thank you, everyone, for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash RoloT Wednesday, starting usually around 7.30 Eastern time of the evening. But to stay updated on exactly when we go live, follow us on Twitter, at RoloT, at Nick F. Timer, your host, at The Mirror Podcast is the official podcast account. We will send out a tweet when it goes live. You can also join us on our Discord server. We'll make an announcement on there when it goes live. And you can participate in our great community where we talk about the chapters that they come out each week. We talk about the series that we're getting ready uh, for the recommendation. All sorts of fun stuff happens on there. That is also a place where you can go to find the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of uh, all sorts of like content and information that has to do with the long run of the podcast that we have had so far. It's very, it's very nice that we have like you know records of the stuff that like we've done because I wouldn't be able to keep track of it. So, no, not yeah. at all. And we're coming up on the end of the year, so we got a bunch of end of the year awards and things like that. Right. Up. Be sure to uh, take part in the polls that also get posted, uh, put up in the Discord by Ninja X3i uh, for like best moments uh, that uh, we've had on the podcast, best moments in the manga that we've covered, and all sorts of cool stuff. 
Uh, we'd also like to extend special thanks to Steve Mann, our occasional tile artist. You can check out his work wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including Twitter, Steve Mann Art, and uh, Wednesday L. Chenner and Milo Jack Stillitz for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap, which can be seen on our YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Weekly Manga Recap is where we have the video versions of each episode of the podcast. And you can go and listen to the audio versions on weeklymongerecap.poppy.com, as well as on Spotify and generally anywhere podcasts can be listened to. And for bonus content, including monthly other recap mm-hmm. and uh, other bonus stuff that we've recorded, we did a tier list very recently, which you can check out. Patreon.com slash recap if you want to check that out. All right. All right. Let's get to our MVPs and chapter of the week. Uh, I think my chapter of the week is gonna go to, nothing was really great this week. I guess I give it to Dr. Stone, no. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first on that. I'm going to give my chapter of the week to One Piece. I I know that in the grand scheme of things, it does, some of it does, yes, feel a little bit. Yeah, sure, why not? But I really like the way that things are structured and the way that Zoro experiences his flashback. And I like a lot of the moments in the in terms of like what it means to like truly master a sword and everything. It's just a cool chapter all the way around. And uh, it was not really something I was expecting that we would get in this exact way. Mm-hmm. My MVP is, however, going to be uh, Ryusui. I thought okay. that it was cool that we had that uh, moment where he acts very unselfish despite, you know, everything about him and uh, decides that uh, he's going to just do what's best for the team. So. God, I'm still not sure. I guess I, uh, yeah, I'll give it to Dr. Stone. Like, I don't like it's like the end is good. The rest of it's physically there, but nothing else is really calling to me. And, uh, my character of the week is going to be the lead from Ayashimon. I don't know his name, and I tried Marlo. to I tried to scroll through a bunch of chapters and I couldn't find it. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's on the board. <laughs> it's on the board. Uh, the audience uh, picked do 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 as their chapter of the week, and Zolo as their character of the week. Is that first one true? Yeah, it, it won this week. Oh, there was dear. there was a bunch of I didn't want to say simps, but there's a bunch of simps in our Discord who were all excited for it. It's the same people who liked Tokyo or the the Red Hood thing. Like that just wasn't gonna go anywhere. Like they just they sometimes when one series ends, the affection, the misguided affection they have has to latch onto something else. So and like they, a Greek tragedy, like it's it's the 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 fucking uh, dude pushing that boulder up the hill over and over again. They attach it to something else that's also just doomed to end in about twenty chapters. So big women and tiny monsters are how you get our audience on your side. Yeah, so oh yeah, if they made like a giant tittied version of Pokemon, <laughs> our Discord would go wild. I going to choose not to say something and let the episode end <laughs> before we go exploring that topic any further before we start searching things in google we can't take back <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everybody <laughs> <laughs>